WWF, what the world is watching. when I said that WrestleMania 6 was more intense than all five WrestleManias put together. I meant it, brothers. Every workout that I train is more intense. The pressure on my back is more intense than ever before. And every minute that I try to sleep, my heart pounds like a drum. I feel Hulkamania's in danger right now, Hulkamaniacs. This is the ultimate test of all times. And when I get in danger, I go back to my roots. I go back to the instincts. That's why I went back to Gold's Gym, Venice Beach, California, the power pit. That's why I went to the magic mirror, and I said, mirror, mirror, on the wall is the ultimate warrior, the one that's going to make the Hulkster rise and fall. Usually I get a clear-cut answer, Hulkamaniacs. But this time, the magic mirror looked at me and said, Hulkster, you understand the natural balance of nature. You understand the food chain. You'll know if it happens. You'll know when it comes. All of a sudden, Hulkamaniacs, I started getting worried. The mirror faded out. There were no more answers. That's when I realized that WrestleMania 6 was the most important day for the rest of our lives because it will predict the future. Ultimate Warrior, if you're that little teeny Hulkamaniac that has trained and said his prayers and eaten his vitamins and finally rose to the number one contender position, I don't recognize you, brother. Maybe that's why you wore the war paint. Maybe that's why you cover your face so I won't know who you are. But as we get into WrestleMania 6 and you feel the power of the largest arms in the world, yes, I wipe that war paint off your face, Ultimate Warrior. If I realize that you are the new chosen one, I have an obligation to my Hulkamaniacs to fight with everything in my heart. My heart is strong like a lion. My arms are like the redwood trees in the forest. I have no flaws. My thoughts, my mind, my soul is pure. But Ultimate Warrior, it has been written, it has been said, and it shall be done in WrestleMania 6. And if I find out that you're the one that has to walk for an eternity in my shoes, brother, let it be. But you got to prove to me by beating me and all my Hulkamaniacs that you are the ultimate Hulkamaniac. And if you're not, what you gonna do when the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Twenty-four inch podcast season number two, episode or excuse me, season number three, three. episode number two. two. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Steve Bennett here. Paula Bennett here. Dave Rollins will join us in a minute. You today on the show. It's the March tenth, nineteen ninety episode of the Superstars of Wrestling. Hulk hey. Hogan wrestles Dino Bravo, the Canadian strongman. Mm. 
Paula, what are your thoughts on Dino Bravo? Uh, you like Dino? A little. He's not that a thing. Hulk Hogan is a little bit more thing. Well, of course. Best. Yeah. He's not the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that he got killed by the mafia for selling cigarettes? Yeah. Isn't that wild? No. Yeah, that's what happened. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's... Everybody got that. Like, everyone, stop. Everyone dies if, if, by execution from the mafia for selling cigarettes? No, by smoking. Oh. That's what I meant. Yeah, but they shot him. The mafia, they shot him up because he was stealing the cigarettes or something. He got involved with bad people. That's why I don't like him. <laughs> That's why you don't like him. He's a bad example, right? Yes. Yeah. And we did a bad example at school today. Yeah, what was at school today? Because we were talking in the hallway with the pre-Kers. Oh, yeah? Yes. And, and I'm are, in first grade at. So you're just talking to these little babies then, huh? Yeah, and we're trying, they're going to be in whatever kindergarten next year. And we're setting a bad example. Why? What were you doing? Well, we were yapping. Yeah, were you guys smoking cigarettes and drinking no. booze? No, yeah. we were just yapping. You guys are tipping back some no! booze. Stop! <laughs> we're sick. <laughs> Not sick. Six and seven. Okay. Uh, sad news in the wrestling world this week, Paula. Don't tell them that until that. Well, it's that time now. Do you want to announce it or do you want me to announce it? Me. Okay, go ahead. What happened very tragically? Leaping Lanny Poffo. Oh, he passed away. Yeah, rest in peace, Leaping Lanny Poffo. He was living in Ecuador, and he seemed like he was living his best life, and he had come over to the United States. He brought his girlfriend to see a play on Broadway in New York City, and I guess he passed away. We don't have a lot of details yet, but it seems like it was unexpected. I don't think he was ill or anything. Yeah. What did you say you thought might have happened when you heard about it? I thought that in his sleep, someone bad. That's not what you thought. Tell me what you thought when I told you he passed away. From the Battle Royal? And Andre? I think his dishes were off, so that's how he died. Right, Paul thought that maybe... From when Andre gave him the headbutt in the Battle Royal before WrestleMania 3, it finally came back to haunt him and caused his demise. I said, I, I don't think that was 30 years ago. I don't think that that was the problem. It is. The stitches were off. Like, it's been a while. Did you like Lanny's poems? Well, my school ones are good, but theirs are the best. Yeah. Did you like Leaping Lanny better as Leaping Lanny, or did you like him better as the genius when he was a Mr. Perfect? Genius. You like the genius better? Okay. I can see that. He had a big main event against Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event as the genius. Do you think that was his best moment as a wrestler? Not gonna get yes. Yeah. And he's not gonna get head. Maybe no. Probably because he didn't get loot. And he, but he's not gonna get headbutted, so that's good. Okay. We don't not want him to get headbutted again. 
And do you remember who his brother was? Macho Man. That's right. That was his brother. Yeah, yeah. And when his brother passed away, Leaping Lanny took care of his legacy and made sure that he got into the Wrestling Hall of Fame and always defended him if anyone said anything bad about him. And he was a really good... He let people wear his Hall of Fame ring. If you met him, he always had it with them. He would let people try it on. He was a really, really nice man and a really, really good ambassador for wrestling. Yeah. And it's really sad that he passed away. We're going to miss Leaping Lanny. I think... um, We just said his name and I already forgot it. Savage? Macho Man? Yes, Macho Man. He probably just like... I don't have a runner now. What do I do? Like he's probably happy to have Leaf Lanny up in heaven with him, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I uh, didn't know he. I forgot. I forgot he did pass away. I didn't know. Yeah, he passed away in a car accident in 2011, I think. Remember? So now Macho Man and Leaf Lanny are together again in heaven. So rest in peace to Leaf Lanny. Hulk Hogan, like I lost a friend. He did. I lost the bro. Yep. My friend, brother. Now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> It's sad for the wrestlers that are still alive because so many of their friends have passed away. So many wrestlers died, you know, so young, like Roddy Piper and, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage. Like Are we Paul Kogan still alive? Yeah, thank God. Adrian Adonis passed away. The Hercules, Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. Don't forget the one we're doing a tribute to. Leaping Lanny? <laughs> yeah, well, he just passed away. Yeah, so we can still do it. But we're not sorry about that. I accidentally spoiled the tribute. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace to Leaping Lanny. Yeah. Do 500 prayers for him. Yes. <laughs> Say your Hail Marys and your Our Fathers for Leaping Lanny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daddy, just because I miss religion doesn't mean you had to make a big deal while we're doing a show about it. I'm just saying doing prayers for him. Right. Not like. Hail Mary, the nose prayer, just like say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Dear God, please take care of Leaping Lanny, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Good. Amen. I forgot to add that. I forgot to add amen. Very sweet of you. So on the show today, we're going to talk about the September, or the March thir- 10th, March 10th, 1990 <laughs> episode of Superstars. <laughs> Daddy forgot. Daddy forgot. All right, let me tell you who's wrestling, and you tell me if you like their matches or not. All right, there's a match of the tag team, the Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine. They call them Rhythm and Blues. You think that's a good tag team, or you think Hammer and Honky should have stayed separate? Separate. Keep them separate? You don't like Rhythm and Blues? Remember Greg Valentine had black hair? They dyed his hair black? You don't like that, right? You got to talk, though. Nobody can hear you shaking your head. No. No. And then the big boss man has a match. Him you like. I like boss man. Tell everyone your favorite match of the big boss man. So you always want to watch it. Uh, when Talking to the mic. When he puts someone in jail. <laughs> the jail match. Who do you wrestle in the jail match? Um, He wrestles. The Mountie. The Mountie. The Mountie. And I guess when you lose, he sends you to like wrestle in jail. Yeah. And let's see. Who else wrestles? Hulk and Dino Bravo wrestle. Boss man. I love the part when the guy slithered up and he goes, hello, and then he's like, ah! When they're trying to get the picture of him, 
in the yeah. jail. Yeah, that's SummerSlam 91 when that happened. Can we watch that again? Yeah, we can watch that soon. That's good stuff. So what's going to happen is we're going to take a break in a minute, and I'm going to come back with Dave. Paul's going to go to bed. And I'm going to come back with Dave. And Dave and I are going to do the bio for the venue. And we're going to do the bio for Dino Bravo. And Dave's going to tell us where Hulk was at this time in 1990. Then we're going to come back again. We're going to read the news. We're going to go over the whole show. We're going to go over the match. Yeah, we got a full show. So should we take a break and get it going? The weather is like 75 degrees and mostly cloudy skies. Bye. <laughs> All right. You say goodbye to the listeners and Tom will be right back. We'll be right back. See you next one. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. I want to thank Paula for joining us tonight. It's always thank great. you, Paula. Always great to hear the words and wisdoms of the young Paula Bennett. And now I bring on my other partner on the twenty-four inch podcast. All the way. From Kearney, New Jersey, you heard his voice. He's anxiously awaiting a trip to Atlantic City to see Motley Crue. Ladies and gentlemen, Hollywood Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? What's up, brother? The, the tax man, Erwin R. Scheister, helped me out. And uh, thank you, IRS. Thank you, Money Incorporated. I don't know if Ted DiBiase uh, was involved or not, but um, I got my money together. Tickets dropped a little bit, and I'm on my way to ACC Crew and Def Leppard tomorrow. Got Soup and his wife going as well. Uh, not in the same area as me, but you'll know, be hanging out in a casino, I'm sure. And uh, just just pumped. It's my 54th crew show. First one without Mick Mars. Uh, it's a little a little scary there. We don't want to get too into this. This is a wrestling podcast. It's the but, first uh, one they've played without him. Well, or with, right. with Johnny Five, for sure, right? For sure, yeah. yeah. First first show without Mick Mars, period. Wow, he never missed one for any reason, huh? Mm-mm. Not one. Wild. So it'll be interesting. Neither is a new era, I guess. The start of a new era. I love being at shows uh, that, you know, when you like you've been to fifty plus crew shows. I've been to eighty plus Pearl Jam shows. I like being at ones that are significant in the canon of the band for whatever reason. You know, right? T- I was at the tenth anniversary. I was at the twentieth anniversary. I was opening at, night. Yeah, opening nights of tours. The first one after the people died in Denmark. You know, just I like shows like that. So this is a good example of that. Plus, it's an underplay. Which is awesome. I mean, how often do you get to see? What's the size of the venue? Um, if it's just I've seen them there before when it before it was the Hard Rock. I think it was the Taj Mahal, and uh, probably held about three four thousand. 
Maybe yeah, 3,500, I mean, but they played I think it's all, re- all last year, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all redone. It's all redone now, though. So it could be more. It could be less. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. I'll let you know in the next podcast. All right. We'll <laughs> get the full review on the next podcast. Oh, one song they didn't play over the summer that you'd like to be added to the set list for this tour, for this, for Friday. Uh, I'm going to go with Afraid from Generation Swine. Right. They popped that out once in a while. Um, I've seen it on the Swine tour. Uh, both uh, the listening party tour and then the uh, the real Swine tour, Motley Crue versus the Earth. Then they busted it back out in Vegas when I saw Motley Crue in Vegas, 2012. But I haven't seen it since. And Five, John Five, maybe he has a few favorites that maybe Mick didn't like to play. Or you know, my hopes aren't that up because we're you know we're nostalgic right now. You know, we're with the hits, the hits, the hits. So um, we'll see. You know what I mean? I'm thinking maybe one. Maybe I'll get lucky with one. Maybe one or two of those songs that were kind of on for the movie. Maybe they feel like they don't need to do that anymore now that they've done it. Maybe you move a couple of those out. Yeah, we'll uh, see. For something different. Yeah, but we'll see. You give us a report on the next show. They'll see me a special report with Lord Alfred Hayes. <laughs> next for sure. <laughs> All right, let's get going. So as Paul and I mentioned earlier, the show today, of course, is Superstars uh, from March 10th, 1990. And... The event itself, the show itself, is at the in Phoenix, but the Hulk match was taped for Superstars in Phoenix. Something must have happened. Vince didn't like how it went, or something went wrong, and they retaped it in Tucson, Arizona, the next night. So the since, challenge taping, yeah, right? That would that would happen quite a bit. Kempitera and Hercules in '87 that happened with where they had to redo it at Challenge. Let's blame the Warrior. What do you think? And uh, run in there. Yeah, I'm sure Warrior fucked up. So since Phoenix will be back for the bio of the arena, we'll do the Tucson Convention Center. Previously named the Tucson Community Center, it's a large multi-purpose convention center located in downtown, and it was built in 1971. It includes an 8,962-seat arena, two performing arts venues, and 205,000 square feet of meeting space. The complex was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 2015. Uh, like I said, it's in downtown Tucson. The operator is ASM Global. It was renovated in 87 and 2014. Uh, former names, like I said, the Tucson Community Center from 71 to Oh two, and of course now, I mean the name change is, is very from community to convention essentially. Uh, let's see what else do we got here. It was the home, the Linda Ronstadt Music Hall with two thousand two hundred eighty nine seats. It's used for concert performances, including the opera. Uh, known ori- oh. known originally as the Tucson Music Hall, it's renamed in honor of the Tucson native Linda Ronstadt. The Leo Rich Theater has 511 seats. It's used for small-scale and more intimate performances. And the arena where this was was maximum capacity of about 9,000. In the 200-seating series, it's 4,988. So if they go full, you get about 9,000 in there. If they half it, you get about 5,000. Standard for hockey is 6,791. You got nothing on the floor. Uh, the University of Arizona hockey team, which is a club hockey team, uh, plays there. Um, and they're one of the uh, powers of club college hockey because everyone wants to 
go with Arizona, right? And Arizona State was actually the biggest club team, but now they've ascended to D1, and sort of Arizona has taken over the reins. So if you're like a guy who doesn't get a scholarship in hockey, but you're still a pretty good player, you want to play competitively, why not go out to the sun and fun of Arizona and all the babes? And uh, they've done really well in the ACHA. I like it. Yep. Um, and won one national championship. Uh, the t- Tucson Roadrunners of the American Hockey League and the AHL um, have been playing there since 2016. The Tucson Sugar Skulls, which is on Dave's former teams. I uh, like that name. Yeah, the Tucson Sugar Skulls. The indoor Sounds more like league. a band you would see at CBGB's or something. The Sugar Skulls. The Sugar Skulls. Uh, also, they've had the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, which Dave usually goes to every year. The Jeho- oh, of course. The Jehovah's Witness Regional Conventions. Well, they those people usually come to my house. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> the Ringland Brothers and Barnum and Belly Circus concerts, monster truck shows, many live WWF television broadcasts, including Raw, SmackDown, and ECW. In 1999, the arena hosted an empty arena match between The Rock and Mankind for oh, the that WWF that was, huh? Championship, which aired during halftime of Super Bowl 33. What a big deal that was, too. And like like we say sometimes, I'm not the biggest Attitude Era fan, but tremendous fan of Mick Foley, tremendous fan of The Rock, even though I'm a little sick of him on TV, uh, not in a non-wrestling role. Yeah, burnout. But, uh, the Rock yeah, burnout. Burnout. Yeah. but wasn't that excellent? Wasn't that something? And, and that's when everybody, I mean, it was like we're back in the 80s. You know what I mean? Everybody knew who they were. Everybody was watching it. Water cooler talk. It was outside of the bubble of the wrestling bubble. Yeah, having words, crossed over. words. I'm not going to say who who this was, but someone's trying to say wrestling's bigger than ever right now. I mean, no. all you got to do is go out in the street and ask somebody to name three current wrestlers. You know what I mean? You're still going to get Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, Macho Man, Andre, and come on. Yeah, that it's was a that. it's a bubble. It's a, the thing is. People, tra- the smarts now travel to these big events, to the Royal Rumbles and the SummerSlams. That's why they're in stadiums now. It used to be the people from the city that were at the show. And the right. events aren't even important. Nobody even cares right. about the event. It's like, it's more about a gathering. Yeah, and going to autograph signings and other federations events and podcast tapings. And the event itself right. is almost secondary. The Super Bowl right. that year was a shitty one. It was the second one that John Elway and the Broncos won. And they killed the stupid Falcons. So this was a really kind of the highlight of the day for me. I remember back then watching. I remember that watching yeah. this, this match. All right, what else? Uh, the arena hosted a concert played by the King Elvis Presley on November right. 9th, nineteen seventy two, and he returned in seventy six. Uh, ventrilo- ventriloquist and comedian Jeff Dunnan hosted a show at the arena as part of a seriously tour in twenty twenty one. I like that. I like his old the old man puppet. What's his name? Are you a Jeff Dunham guy? I'm in the middle of it. Can't remember his uh, name. Yeah, I like him. I mean, he ain't bad. I like his comedy. I've seen some of his specials. Um, and brings me-, me back to the to the movie Magic with Anthony Hopkins. That's an old scary horror for our horror horror fans out there with a ventriloquist dummy. Some of the other minor league teams that have played just for the fun of the names: the Tucson Mavericks, the Tucson Icemen. The Rustlers, the Gunners, the Gila Monsters as well. Now, that was just Vince McMahon's version of the WWF. It said the Rustlers are coming. <laughs> it said the World, World Rustling Federation. The World Rustling Federation on tour <laughs> in Tucson. Yep, yep. Yep. 
And of course, they put 22 million bucks into the place in 2014, and you can still go to it today. And then they're not going to be knocking it down anytime soon because right. it, it has gotten historic place registration. Like to hear that. Yep. So if you ever want to relive the Hulk and Dino Bravo match, it will be there to do. All right. <laughs> that brings us to Dino Bravo. Hulk's Canadian opponent. strongman. Yeah, Hulk's opponent on this day. Adolfo Bresciano. Adolfo Bresciano. Italiano. Nice job. Nice job. Italiano Canadian. August 6, 1948. Born. Tragically passed away March 10, 1993. I got something about that in a minute. He was an Italian-Canadian professional wrestler and promoter, better named by the ring name Dino Bravo. Um, he trained under Gino Brito, and he started his career in Montreal in the 70s working for Lute Internationale. He became one of the top wrestling stars of Canada, winning several major titles, including the Canadian International Heavyweight Championship six times, the NWA Canadian Heavyweight Championship, the Toronto version, and the NWA Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Championship. Uh, he signed with the WWF, where as a partner to Dominic DiNucci, he won the WWF Tag Team Championship. Right. And he was right. the sole holder of the WWF Canadian Championship. Before Gorilla the, would remind Gorilla would always remind me about that. Former Canadian heavyweight champ, Jess, and I would never know what the hell he was talking about. Yep. <laughs> and the only reason it's former is because they abandoned the title in 1986. So he was never pinned for it or anything like that. Uh, he was actually born in southern Italy. I bet Bret Hart envies uh, the Canadian strongman as what then. <laughs> yep. He, uh, the family came to Canada when he was young, settling in Montreal. And he started training at the age of 12. Um, he began working with Dominic DiNucci as the Bravo brothers, Dino and Dominic. And um, he worked in a number of other tag teams, partnering with Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods, the uh, father of Tiger Woods. Um, <laughs> he held the Jim Crockett Promotions version of the tag team championships with Tiger's father, winning it from Gene and Ole Anderson before losing it back to them. Uh, he had a major program with Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, he did not win the title from him, but he did receive shots at the NWA heavyweight title um, against Harley Race. By the late 70s, he became a big enough draw to get a singles push in Montreal. And in 78, he defeated Gene Kaniski to win the Canadian title as recognized in that area. And we mentioned the uh, tag team title he won with Danucci in the WWF. Dave, who did they defeat in 78 to win those titles? Oh, boy, 78, two years before I was born. Danucci and Bravo. This is just going to have to be a guess. The Kangaroos were long gone by then. How about the Valiants? They beat Professor Tanaka and Mr. Fuji. Fuji. Yeah. Okay, okay, take three, it. Three months later in June, who defeated them? Okay, so um, you might another have just mentioned them. The Valiants. The Yukon Lumberjacks. Oh, I said the kangaroos. Kangaroos. Okay, sorry. That's why I didn't miss. Yeah, uh, they're way before. They're way before. Way, way before that. Yeah, this is certainly be, be before our time. Yeah. Uh, in the eighties, Bravo. And yeah, King. I never. We never. We never claimed to be. You know, before the eighty three, eighty four. Right. We never claimed to be experts. No. I'm an expert on WWF from eighty four to mid nineties, and nobody's better, brother. 
Uh, Bravo and King Tonga, or Haku, formed a tag team for a little while. Bravo came back to the WWF in 86 with a new look. He was more muscular and immediately began bleaching his hair blonde and turned on the Rougeau brothers to become a heel. Uh, working as part of Luscious Johnny Valiant Stable with Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, he, of course, then ganged up on Beefcake and got him kicked out of the Dream Team at WrestleMania 3. That was so weird how they won the match, like Jesse said. Yep. And they just leave it. They should have lost the match, right? That's like, we never have any kind of problems at WrestleMania 3. We say it's a perfect card, but they should have lost the match and blamed Beefcake. What, not won it. You know what I mean? It kind of doesn't make any sense. Weird. But, weird. yeah. Yeah, weird thing. Um, but I guess maybe they would say, well, they only won it because of Bravo. So then Bravo kicks. Bravo did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You got a point. Yeah. Got yeah. a good point. Uh, let's see. Uh, he was more of a technical wrestler, a strongman gimmick. His technical side was pushed in the background, and his style changed to power and brawling moves such as body slams, clothesline punches, and kicks. At the 88 Royal Rumble, Bravo, uh, who le- was legitimately strong and was said to be able to press more than 500, Attempted to bench press what he claimed was 715 pounds and would have been a world record. Uh, Jesse Ventura helped lift the bar at one point, but Bravo played the lift to success and began billing himself as the world's strongest man. Tremendous segment. Great segment. When he gets it up, the music starts playing and Vince in the background. I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it. And Jesse talking about like pressure, (laughs) how much pressure he put on the bar and these formulas and just really Uh, good. Excellent stuff. Really good heel work. That uh, might be the, I think, well, not counting the stuff with Earthquake, I guess, uh, Bravo's highlight in the WWF, that segment right there. Yeah, as the uh, yeah. strongman, he feuded with Morocco and Patera, Ronnie Garvin, Jimmy Duggan, kind of early card stuff on house, show, house shows, but a really valuable part of the team, I would say, overall, which is what made the, the era so great then. Uh, he was in the WrestleMania Four Championship Tournament, and he faced off against Morocco. Um, but he made a foolish mistake pulling the referee between him and Morocco and got himself uh, disqualified. Uh, oh, and, and this is what I was saying before. Uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, during commentary, mentioned that the record lift of 715, he only used two little pinkies and had only put two pounds of pressure on the bar. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we got from him? Uh, he was at the first SummerSlam, Dave. In Madison Square Garden. Right. He, yep. Uh, he allowed Bravo. Uh, Bravo was dis- in August. Martin distracted Bravo's opponent, Morocco, to allow Bravo to get the victory. Superstar up in the booth. Uh, Not having happy. a hard time handling that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, I would say it was almost a clean. I mean, a little distraction. It was, it was hard seeing Morocco take that three there. I mean, he was on his way out, but it's like, mm, well, you know, here's a guy that's been with me since the beginning. You know, and uh, kind of jobbing out the uh, good old Magnificent One there towards the end. In 89, at the Royal Rumble, he accompanied by Martin, teamed with the Fabulous Rougeau brothers, but lost a two out of three falls match against Jim Duggan and the Hart Foundation. Um, and at WrestleMania five, he defeated fellow Canadian rugged Ronnie Garvin. And that kind of brings us up to uh, this point as far as his career. I want to talk a little bit about his death on March 10th. 1993, he was found shot dead at age 44. He was hit by 11 bullets in the head and torso at his Laval, Quebec home. His alleged role in cigarette smuggling in Canada is popularly believed to have led to the unsolved homicide. 
Now, I found this quote. Let me read this, Dave. Um, this is from Rick Martel, who knew Dino pretty well. This is what he says. I'm going to read this, and then let me get your reaction after I read it. Sure. Uh, Dino, Dino had kind of painted himself into a corner. He tried to stay in the WWF, but he just couldn't. Vince didn't want to have him back. I remember I called Pat Patterson. I suggested that I team up with Dino because I liked him so much. I wanted him to have a job. I said, I'll take the bumps. I'll do all the moving around, and he can do the strong stuff. I'm sure we can make it work, you know? He said, been, no. been good. No, no. We just think of Dino don't fit in our plans anymore. Uh, That's Pat saying that? Yeah, Pat said that. Dino liked the high lifestyle. He had a sports Mercedes. He had a big home, you know, and suddenly wrestling was over. He couldn't be a nine-to-five guy. He didn't have any business experience of any kind. Wrestling was his whole life. And back then, the WWF was the only game in town. So if he couldn't do it for WWF, what could he do? His uncle, by marriage, was the head of the mafia in Montreal. and was always saying, Dino, come work for me. I remember we were in Europe, and he confided in me. He said, Rick, I know I could go into crime and do really good money, but I don't want to go that route. I know myself, and I know what kind of guy I am. Dino was the kind of guy who always wanted more and more. He knew himself, and he knew his demons, but then his debts and his lifestyle got too much. I remember the breaking point for him was when he had to go and borrow from his mom. That was too much for his pride to take. Mm -hmm. And back then in the early 90s, the cigarette traffic in Canada started. A lot of people were doing it, so Dino got into that. He went to see the Indians, and the Indians had the river so they could pass cigarettes across, like arms or whatever. And the Indians were big wrestling fans, you know? So they saw Dino, and they're like, oh, man. They started dealing strictly with him. So he had a monopoly with the Indians. He started doing really well. After a while, the cigarette business was doing so great that the cocaine people started saying, hey, maybe there's some money in there for us, too. So the big cocaine guy apparently went to see Dino and said, look, let me in on your cigarette deals, and I'll let you in on some co- cocaine deals. So what apparently happened is they did some kind of agreement. Dino had $400,000 shipment in a warehouse somewhere, and it stayed there for like three days. And on the third day when the cocaine guy went to pick it up, the police were there. So they were blaming each other. Dino was saying you should have picked it up on the first day, and it would have never happened. You shouldn't have let it sit there. There was a lot of heat on Dino. This was a week before he died. It was a Wednesday. His wife and daughter went to ballet lessons. He was watching hockey on TV, and his wife found him that night. She had his daughter in her arms, but luckily, thank God, his daughter was sleeping. She didn't see her dad. There was blood everywhere. On the ceiling, it was horrible. They pumped 10 bullets into her head, his head. There was no force of entry in his house, and it was winter, so you could see there would have been footprints in the snow outside, but there were none. They had somebody, an inside person, it was probably someone whom he was watching hockey with, and said, hey, look, Dino, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and then shot him from behind. Right. The, the, or it was uh, Jack Nicholson's son in The Shining, because he doesn't leave snow prints either. Or the guy that shot Tony Soprano in the, um, the cardigan or whatever. Maybe. Uh, the detective told us that the remote control was loose in his hand. They say that if you shoot from the front, you see it coming and you tense your muscles, and he would have gripped the remote tightly at the point of death. So they shot him from behind. He didn't see it coming. Um, and that was from Rick Martell on a high spot shoot. Uh, and I thought I'd share that because I thought it was really detailed and an interesting kind of look at his demise and what happened to him. Dave, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, God. Starting from the beginning, we started. I think, um, well, he actually uh, he finished up in uh, 91 at WrestleMania 7 uh, with a loss with, to the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. 
but then re returned shortly after that summer, still as a heel, with a victory over Shane Douglas at the Garden in July, disappeared again, then returned in 92, back with the brown hair as a babyface. Never on Superstars or Challenge, but had like a primetime match here and there, like dark, dark matches at the tapings. Um, I think even as a face, he even wrestled Brett for the IC title with the brown hair in 92. So Dino was still around. And with the thing about Martel, Martel wasn't doing too much in 92. So I think that would have made a great uh, tag team. And maybe even the champs. I mean, come on. That could have worked. I don't know. I, and Mar I, yeah, he tried. Yeah. Martel, I give Martel credit for going out with his friends. He, he, he tried being a team with another guy, too. Um, Don, um, the, um, the Kurgans or whatever, the Truth Commission, Don Callis, mm. where they were supposed to be the supermodels. Uh, but M Martel went WCW instead. I'm sorry I'm getting off topic. Yeah, but Martel was always trying to get into a heel tag team there. But him and Bravo, man, I I, I think that, that would have worked. But that was getting towards that time where Vince was trying to get out with the old and in with the new. And it just it, it, <laughs> it destroyed the company. You know yeah, what I mean? His getting, physique. You know, maybe they were worried about that with the steroid trial and those things. I don't know if that yeah, I could, uh, was yeah, against yeah, them. Yeah. But uh, he was the subject of the sixth episode of the second season of The Dark Side of the Ring before right. I forget. But go ahead, if you have anything else as far as the Yeah, well, li li living in between Newark, New Jersey and Jersey City, New Jersey, I'm right in between in Carney, New Jersey. He shouldn't have left that cocaine sitting there. Right. You know what I mean? For three but days. But I mean, yeah, yeah he, well, he shouldn't have been involved in that anyway. I'm not, you know, of course not. But I'm saying it, what, that wasn't a good idea. But um, taking someone's life is always is always horrifying. Uh, his daughter seemed so nice on the uh, dark side of the rings tonight. Beautiful girl. Yeah. Besides that, and um, I think I'm friends with her on Facebook. And um, <laughs> what a weirdo I am. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, just just very sad all around. Like here's a guy who knew the business in and out. Could do anything. I, I don't know why Bischoff didn't get a hold of him. I'm hulking him. Could have brought him in and do something over there. WCW. Well, it was still ninety. Uh, was still too early. Hulk was still in WWF ninety three. Right. And he so, uh, and it's interesting. I thought how yeah. he sort of seen his future. Right. He told Martel, "If I get into that, I know I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to want too much." Right. It sounds like if he would have just stuck with the Indians and the cigarettes, he would have been okay. But then he got greedy with the cocaine, and that's where and I think really went wrong. Probably if he hung on a bit by 94, 95, Hulk and them would have got him over in uh, right. WCW probably. Probably would have had a minor role there, but you know would have been getting a paycheck. And they paid well. And stuff. You know, yeah, right. and they, pay, they paid everybody well. They paid the, all the his buddies well. Uh, Tenta was over there, so it you know Jimmy Hart, it would have made uh, a ton of sense. He probably would have gotten a job there. And I, you know, I remember, Steve, um, you know, uh, the first wrestler I ever remember dying was Adrian Adonis. Yep. Same. And, right. And, um, the bruiser Brody, I knew him from the magazines, but I didn't know him when it happened. Same. Like, I read, I yep. read a PWI, but it didn't affect me at the time because I didn't know him. He wasn't in the WWF. So, unless I'm forgetting someone, all of a sudden, the calendar year changes from 1992 to 1993. Andre Giant dies in January. Kerry Von Eric dies in February. And Dino Bravo dies in March. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's yeah. going on here? It was just, it, it was so surreal. Uh, uh, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Elmer. Uh, it hasn't stopped since. Yeah, Uncle yeah. Elmer also around around there, too. I don't know if it was. 
I think it might have actually been first before even before Andre, but I'll throw Uncle Elmer uh, in there as well. But the four of those, and yeah, and then pretty much it never stopped since. And uh, it was just crazy to hear, like, you know, a guy that like, just was watching on TV last year is, is one shot himself in the head. Well, Andre, I kind of understood. But uh, Bravo and, and Von Eric, I, I you know, couldn't wrap my, wrap, you know, wrap my right. 12-year-old head around. Uncle Elmer died J- July 1st, 92. So just before this. First, yeah. Okay. First. That's another one. Like, I was, I, I was smart enough to know, like, a big giant man probably had some health issues. Right. And and when he and he looked like he was like sixty five when he was on TV anyway. Sure. So yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, but um, it was it was just so it was so strange uh, with that happening um, at that time. And uh, yeah, Dino is uh, someone. It's a shame he'll ne- probably never get in the Hall of Fame. Did you happen to see the rumored Hall of Fame class for this year? It's only a rumor. No, I didn't. We got one in there that's going to big time save the day for us. All this right. is only a rumor. All right. It's only a rumor. But the rest of it is the most horrendous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> All right. Give me the bad news first. Do I? Uh, yeah. The bad news first? Yeah. All right. I don't have it in front of me, so I might miss yeah, one. Yeah, it's ballpark. Uh, the headliners, Batista, deserving. He's a big name. Two, I mean, he was supposed to go in two years ago, but COVID, whatever. Big name, deserving, whatever. My opinion, too soon. Um, the great Muda. Never worked in a WWF, whatever. He should be in there, but not before all our guys, whatever. The Midnight Express, never worked in WWF. You know what I mean? Where are the Killer Bees? Where are the Rougeos? Where are Demolition? You know what I mean? Where are all our uh, Earthquake and Typhoon? Where are the Nasty Boys? Where are our tag teams? You know, so that's another no-no to me. Uh, You know, at at some point, yes, but not at this point. Uh, Umaga, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Maybe someday. You know, I love all the Samoans, but maybe someday, but not now. Michelle McCool, Undertaker's That's just wife. Undertaker, yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. What is it? There was somebody else like that, Beth Phoenix. Yeah. That does not, ad, did, right? does not. Yeah, does not deserve. Uh, there's other other ladies. Um, I might be forgetting one, but it's bad. But the good one, um, it. It's Cindy Lauper. Oh, nice! In the celebrity wing. Yeah. yeah. So let's hope. Let, let I almost want this horrendous class to be true, so we get Cindy Lauper. It's almost be, bittersweet. Right. But uh, I just, can't believe uh, she rumor. hasn't gotten in. Yeah, yeah. it's just rumor and innuendo. I, I I think she didn't. I, I heard that she had turned it down. A prior commitment, yeah. uh, maybe when it was in New York when sure. I was there. Sure. Almost ten years ago. All right. Well, now we are at the point of the show where I sit back and take a break and hand the reins over. To my friend Hollywood Dave, and he'll tell us where Hulk Hogan was uh, at this time of 1990. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, this one it might start off a little repetitive, but we got an amazing one at the end that a lot of people don't know about that I actually forgot about. Uh, boy, and I actually, I, I can't even say forgot about because I didn't even know about until the history of WWF by Graham and now Richard Land came around never even knew took place. So we'll get to that at the end. But um, let's start off. And um, as we said, our match was taped in February, but aired in March. So let's start off with March 6th, Sacramento, California. 13,500. Superstars of wrestling taping. Hulk Hogan and the freshly turned face to the big boss man. Uh, it goes over Mr. Perfect and the Genius in a dark match. Boss man is um, subbing for Brutus in all these matches, but Brutus was not injured because he's on these tapings. 
I think they're just trying to give the boss band that face rub, like, okay, we saw you turn on DiBiase and Slick with the Moondar belt, whatever, whatever, whatever. Everybody knows the story, but let's put you in the Dark Masters Hogan's tag team. And the boss band got over immediately as a baby face. So it worked. So this is how you do it. You give them that, like Bruce Fisher said, that little Hulk dust. March 7th, San Francisco, 14,500. Challenge taping Hogan and Bossman over Perfect and the Genius. R.I.P. to the Genius. I will get to that. Uh, I know you guys spoke of him earlier. Yeah. I will get to yeah. I will get to that uh, when, I'm, when I'm done with this uh, segment here. Another, another heartbreaker, but uh, it's kind of kind of coincidental that he's in all my matches here uh, this week. And we we called this show before when the Genius was alive and well. March eighth, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma at the Miramid Arena. Hogan uh, and Brutus this time over uh, Perfect and Genius. I'm sorry. No, Hogan over Perfect and Genius in a handicap match. We're actually supposed to get this at the Garden, and they added Brutus to it. That's an interesting uh, situation there. March 8th, uh, Oklahoma City. uh, uh, I'm sorry. March 9th, Montreal Forum. uh, Dino Bravo, hometown right there. uh, 9,500. The Hawks are in the big boss band over Mr. Perfect and the Genius. Uh, in all these matches, Hogan cradles genius for the one, two, three. March 10th, Providence Civic Center, 7,500 Hogan boss man over perfect genius. Same outcome. Uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day in the Orlando Arena, 8,300 Hogan and boss man over perfect and genius. March 18th, Tampa Sundome, Hogan and the boss man over perfect and the genius. March 19th, Miami, Florida, Miami Arena. Only 5,100 showed up that day for Hogan and the Boss Man over uh, the Powers of Pain, the Warlord and the Barbarian. How about that matchup right there? That's a battle. Uh, yeah, and as, as um, we're going to get to a little bit later on, the Powers of Pain were uh, being separated at, at this point. So they were giving them a little taste of that main event money to end their run there and maybe – a little tryout to see how they would work with the Hulkster singly, you know? So you had the Hulk and Bossman against the Powers of Pain. And that's not even an interesting match I'm speaking of coming up, but interesting nonetheless. March 22nd, New Haven Coliseum. Hogan and Bossman over Perfect and Genius once again. March 23rd, Richfield, Ohio at the famous Richfield Coliseum. Hogan and Bruce the Barber this time over Perfect and Genius. And here we go, March 20th. Milwaukee, according to Alice Cooper, at the Bradley Center, Hulk Hogan and the Big Boss Man over the Colossal Connection, World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions Andre the Giant and Haku in a non-title match. This is the very last time Hogan and Andre will be in the ring together. Wow, that's a good right? One. Am yeah, I? Am I? Is am I missing something? No, there were no. Andre turns to WrestleMania six. He comes back for seven as a good guy. He never wrestles. Earthquake attacks him. He's in a battle royal in Nassau Coliseum that Hulk's not in. I don't think they've ever crossed paths again since Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety. Wild, uh, greatest rivalry of all time come to an end as Hogan and the Big Boss Man defeat World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions Andre the Giant and Haku in a non title match wow. how about that cool very cool you wanted to say a word or two about Lee Polanyi oh my god yeah I know we uh, we were supposed to record a little earlier and you know what life happens to each of us uh, we, we apologize for that to everybody but um yeah man, we were supposed to record that night I you know 
I, w- I woke up, I mean, I'm up and down because of my hours at work, whatever, but, you know, I sleep late later into the morning. And I just see it. I see Hacksaw's post. And I'm just like, oh, this is, can't be real. Then I'm like, oh, it's from Hacksaw. It's got to be real. I'm like, Lanny? Of all fucking people? Like, no, how? It's just like, it's it just, it's, it, it, I mean... I don't want it. You can't say these guys are like family because they're not. I mean, it's not. But it is. I mean, these are people you see every week of your life multiple times for 10 years. Yeah, well, it's on, our, child, on your it's TV. our childhood, right? Yeah. Multiple times for 10 years. It's not like the guys now. Who's that? Who's that guy with the tattoo? Who's that guy with the long hair? Oh, yeah. No, you knew Leaping Lanny. You knew the genius. And then all the po- all the, the shoot interviews yeah, and he was in, good in, at him. He was really good at him. Yeah. I met him so many times. Just this past March, I was reciting his Hercules and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff poems back to him. I remember that. He, yep. he was lo- loving every bit of it. And, man, I got to say, I almost shed a tear over this. So, so sad. He, he was with the uh, – he brought up one of his uh, girlfriends from Ecuador to New York to see um, Wicked, the Broadway show in New York, and was posting um, – videos and everything having such a wonderful time he did look you know appeared to be a little tired looking but i mean whatever oh 68 years old and clean living yeah clean living and then you go jerry to king lawler another clean living guy just falls foot face down with a massive stroke the other day thank god he's gonna be okay uh it looks like you know he's gonna be okay yeah it looks like as of now yeah yeah, it looks like he's kicking he's out. He's burning lives, though. You know, it's not what's with, the, what, first time. with this, these clean living guys and and uh, yeah, the vaccine. I mean, I don't know, brother. Uh, but uh, but funny thing, Lanny Poffo did um, when I the last time I met him, I was wearing a Scott Hall shirt. It was a weekend. Scott Hall passed away, and Poffo was saying possibly because of the vaccine to me. So I guess it can't be because of the vaccine with Puffo. Then, you know, oh, he didn't take means, it. He didn't get it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, unless unless he was unless he did take it, was worried. I don't. You know, I can't say we didn't get too deep into it. But he he did he did bring that that up to me. I I I'm fifty fifty on it. I got the first two. Yeah. So uh, I never got. I have no never idea. got any, never got any boosters. I, I, I really have. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know, brother. Uh, wow. It's, it's it. Just these clean living guys, a, a guy like Poffo. I mean, I mean, I know he does a lot of flying, and they could they could clot you up I mean, on an airplane a lot. Right, you know, yeah, going back, sitting, Equi- yeah. yeah, going back to Ecuador, coming here to do those signings. So that did cross my mind. But what a tremendous loss to uh, to our community as uh, Lanny Poffo, man. And um, God, she's. I, I, I can't even put it to words. He's a guy I've always been a fan of. I know, I've talked really nicely about him many times on this show, uh, how I like his work. You know, he's one of my favorite guys from that that group, you know, of the earlier matches and the house shows. You know, I always loved to see him in the beginning with the poem and just really enjoyed him. And he's been great after his career. The way he's handled, Tremendous. The way he's handled the Macho Man's legacy. You know, and always been there to speak for him and and kind of protect him when people were trying to say this or that about the way he treated Elizabeth or whatever. He was great. He's the reason Macho Man's in the Hall of Fame. So thank you to him because without that, we might not right. have got that moment. And that wouldn't make sense comparing the Poffles to Devon Eriks. The Von Eriks were always uh, Randy Savage in my in my 
WWF historian opinion was wrong on that. Because the Von Erichs were the Von Erichs. Right, they but it was a, just about, about the way he felt his dad was treated. Like, it had nothing to do Man, with the yeah. Von Erichs. Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage stood out so much differently from Angelo and Lanny. Right. You can't he just, have He felt Macho. like his dad was disrespected, yeah. that's all. I don't I don't think Triple H should have went in with DX first. Triple H in the Hall of Fame with DX and not by himself. I mean, he, he I'm not even a Triple H fan, care less, but... If I would had anything to do with this, I would say no, 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 no. You Triple H is is going in on his own, not with not. Then we'll do the, then we'll do DX, you know, and a couple of years later down the line, like kind of like they did with Hulk and Hall and Nash. Uh, but yeah, Savage is a uh, you know, and Poffo obviously shared the same um, feeling I did, and thank God uh, they got the Macho Man in there. So let's now get Lanny and Angelo in there. You know, instead of uh, the great Muda and these uh, Japanese yeah. guys and uh, people's wives and NWA guys and guys from three years ago and all this bullshit. I mean, let's go. Come on. Let's have, let's 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 do this thing right. They were doing it right for the first, you know, when it when they revamped it, when Heenan went in and then Hogan, yeah. the Hogan year. And for the first four or five years there, they were doing it right. Brett. It was and a highlight of WrestleMania weekend for yeah, me forever. Then it, yeah, then it just got crazy. It got I, I can't remember the one after the Bruno one. I think no, after the Warrior one, it got it got a little little weird, and hasn't been the same since. But right. uh, what are you gonna do? Rest in peace to Leap and Lanny Poffo. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, we're gonna read the news. We're gonna go over the superstars from March of nineteen ninety, uh, and we're gonna talk about Hulk's match versus Dino Bravo. We'll be right back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Inch podcast. We are back. Hollywood Dave Rowland, Steve Bennett here. Exciting card from Superstars of Wrestling in 1990. But before that, Dave, it's time to read the news. March of 1990, uh, March 1st to be exact, Steve Jackson Games is raided by the United States Secret Service, prompting, I got an ad here covering what it's prompting, there we go, prompting the later formation of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which Dave is very familiar with. Yeah, that that was the uh, spinoff of the Hart Foundation, like the Jeffersons was spinoff right. of the family. And, and Frazier was Cheers. Right. Right. Uh, March 2nd, Greyhound bus. They went on strike. Find a, uh, another way to get there. Uh, March- yeah, you know, Ralph Cramden uh, needs a little long time. Alice is kind of hot. No, yeah. Nobody ever, nobody would ever mention that for uh, 1960s, lady, 50s, whatever it was. Needed some time off, and uh, people had to walk their fat asses around uh, to <laughs> Mangio. Yeah. Good job, Ralph. Uh, March 3rd, Carol Gist, age 20. The first African American to be crowned Miss USA in Wichita, Kansas. 
I like so, it. Congratulations to I like it, Carol. Very usually very shapely. Uh, March 7th, three passengers were killed and 162 were injured as the subway train derailed in Philadelphia. And oh, that's because the buses were on strike, so then everyone's on the subway, and then look what happens. Poor Dick Graham was all alone in the spectrum that night. Yep. Uh, they had I, I, I should have said that. It's a tra- tragedy. I apologize. Ten bell salute for the poor people. What a disaster. So, I hate subways. Uh, March 7th, Wayne Hazinga. Yeah, their sandwiches, they're, they're very light on the meat. <laughs> buys half of Joe Robbie Stadium and 15% of the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, for $30 million. What else did Wayne Hyzinga own, Dave? Who? Wayne Hyzinga. He owned a very famous United States company. Okay. Um, I know Wayne Isham directed a few Motley Crue videos. Not him. Nope. Not him. Okay. Uh, Wayne uh, Isaac. Um Wayne Heisinga, uh, he, not Isaac. Uh, Wayne Heisinga, uh, the National Hygiene uh, Association. Blockbuster. Oh no shit! Yeah, uh, you know, you know what? Um, the name probably just didn't stick with me, but I definitely have heard it because uh, there was a documentary on Blockbuster, yep. wasn't there? And he, was all, he was all over it. Yep. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I did did thoroughly enjoy that. They act like it's like such a relic, Blockbuster, and it's. Re- I mean. I think I was still like going in like 2011. Yeah, no, it's you know I mean? it's, it's over. It's over exaggerated a little bit. It's, it's exaggerated, yeah. like like it's like the mom and pop ones have been gone. Like they've been they run mid nineties for a long time before. It closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mom and pop ones probably by '96, it probably was 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 no more. But yeah, I mean it, it's it's not quite that uh, nostalgic the way they act about it. March 10th, the fourth American Comedy Awards. Big winner that night, Dave's favorite romantic comedy, When Harry Met Sally. Love that movie. Yep. Dude, I wouldn't call I don't know if it's my favorite, but uh, definitely a fan. Uh, um, Home-eating Marlamo's on uh, New Year's Eve. Am I saying that right? The the cookies? Marlamo? Marlamo's? I don't know. They're they're disgusting anyway, but uh, Harry liked them. Speaking of awards, March 11th, the 16th annual People's Choice Awards. Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep won with Dramatic Motion Picture. And uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, won, One of the all-time greats. Yep, for his role on TV with The Cosby Show. Uh, and he made David drink that night. Um, sure did. Sure did. I mean, um, I don't know about all that. With, I have uh, no Bill idea. Cosby. I, I, mean, I mean, all this time later. I mean, Seems guilty of whatever. something, though. I mean, I'm sure, but a lot of smoke there. A lot. Of smoke. Uh, 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 I have no idea. Uh, March I'm gonna 11th. Keep, I'm keeping my opinions to myself. The 37th ACC men's basketball tournament. Georgia Tech beats Virginia, so they'll get the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Dave filled out his bracket this year. Uh, March 12th. Somebody, somebody actually today came up to me with a uh, at work on a detectives with a football pool. And you know, I'm we're doing the podcast tonight. I got the crew tomorrow. Uh, different things with my I'm different things with my friends or mass texting me and all. I'm like, I'll give you the money next week. He's like, the fucking Super Bowl Sunday. I'm like, Fuck, is it shit? I forgot. Like, I guess I'm not gonna be in the pool. Uh, <laughs> Wild. <laughs> March twelfth, the Los Angeles Raiders announced their return to Oakland, which they have now since moved to what U.S. city, Dave? 
I'm sorry, ask the question one more time. The LA Raiders on March 12, 1990 announced that they would be the Oakland Raiders. But recently, right. the Oakland Raiders have moved and become what city's Raiders? Uh, well, the Rams are in LA, right? Yeah. And the Raiders are the Oakland Raiders. They are the Las Vegas Raiders. I, had no, I did not know that. I had no idea. I had no idea Las Vegas had a football team. When did this happen? Uh, I think this was their third year there, second year, third year there. Right, they're my second favorite football they team. They have a beautiful okay. new stadium called Allegiant Stadium, um, which has all kinds of events now. It's- yeah, it had that, I think a SummerSlam or something was there recently. Yeah. Uh, March 14th, Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah, they had a fucking poor Raiders had to clean out the stink from the uh, fans. <laughs> oh, boy. Raiders, wrestling fans are the only ones worse than Raiders fans, I guess. In tw- Current wrestling fans. Not talking about our dear, close, personal, longtime friend, John D'Amato. Right. You're or, exempt. Or Kevin Hogan. He's not going to. He doesn't even, I don't even know if he knows there still is a SummerSlam. Uh, the Soul Train Music Awards, the fourth annual. Janet Jackson, a big winner that night. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev became president of the Soviet Congress um, and then wiped that thing off of his head. Yeah, that would have been a good wrestling angle if one of the uh, Russians had that, like a thing on their head painted on and like Brutus or somebody wiped it off. I mm-hmm. think I think Pat and Vince would have and Bruce would have enjoyed that. Uh, they may need a little Hollywood Dave Rollins input back then, around 89. Uh, Nikolai could have uh, wiped it off of Boris's head when they, when Nikolai turned good, right? Isn't yeah. that cool? Yeah, good. I love it. Give you the pencil. Mm. March 18th, the first free elections in each East Germany. The conservatives beat the communists, and they mentioned this in the show that we watched today about the Berlin Wall coming down. Someone brought it up. Um, that would be Klaus, Klaus Mein from the Scorpions. It was Klaus that brought it up on Superstars, yes. March 18th, the 32-day lockout by baseball owners ends. They'll get back to locking the players out a couple years from this uh, for a much longer period of time. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar retires. Dear friend of mine. Yeah. And Different Strokes alumni. Just had his record broken by... This is uh, how many women he's had sex with? No, most points. Most is, he the best, is he the basketball player that had a lot of sex? Or am I thinking no, that was Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kareem. Well, I'm not sorry, I guess, Kareem. Um, was broken by uh, most points. Is it the obvious? Oh, Michael Jordan was a dump, big dunker. It was so just broken. Long. Just broken, like last night. Oh, the hell, I don't know. It's yes, these you assholes. do. Oh, um, oh uh, well, the one guy's dead. That's not him. Uh, what's that other one that everybody hates? It's him, um, yes. Yeah, I can't. T- I don't. LeBron, I don't, LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't stand that guy. March twentieth, kind of a famous music story here. Singer Gloria Estefan fractures her spine when a truck hits the tour bus near Scranton. Right, I, I remember this very well. So my, um, it was the only concert uh, that, my, besides my mom, saw Don McLean at Carney High School gym. You know, bye bye, Miss American Pie. And um, then I think the only other concert she ever saw was uh, Glorious Estefan when she made her return to the Meadowlands. Uh, my oldest sister uh, brought my parents uh, to see them. I don't know if it was Miami Sound Machine or not. I think it was just her by herself. But uh, I think she was coming off this uh, this uh, tremendous in- injury. Great singer. Great uh, great songs. Yeah, uh, nothing, nothing bad to say there. 
Uh, March 21st, one of Dave's favorite sitcoms of all time, Sydney, starring Wolfie's mom, Val- Valerie Bertinelli and Matthew Perry, premieres on CBS TV. I don't remember that show at all. Fan, fan of both people, though. And when Matthew Perry died on Growing Pains, it was got to be one of the most heart-wrenching Tough episode. Uh, family yeah. sitcoms of all time. It's still hard. When Mike, uh, you know, Kirk Cameron, Mike walks in and tells Carol that news, that's hard to take, man. Yeah. That's brutal. March 22nd. We got to do one of these every time. Thank God he came back to life and got a lot of friends later. The Grapes of Wrath opens at the Court Theater. Uh, They'll go on to do 188 performances. So love getting those in. Don't know why the site thinks that's so important. Um, What else happened here? Uh, The Academy Awards, Dave. The 62nd Academy Awards. Uh, the Best Actor Award went to Daniel Day-Lewis, Jessica Tandy, uh, Best Actress. The award for Best Picture went to... In 1990, I'm sure it's nothing I like because um, that just doesn't happen. It's an okay movie. Things I like. We know this. It's more mainstream than often is. 1990, well, it's not Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, 1990, Red October. Driving Miss Daisy. That was a good guess, but no. Uh, driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. I've never seen it, but I, you know, I know it. Everyone makes what that joke, right? When they're driving their grandma or We're something. Driving like else. Yeah, yeah. Driving for driving slow or something. Yeah. Sure. All right. March 28th, uh, another NBA record. It's set by the other guy, Michael Jordan. 69 points. It's the fourth time he scored uh, 60 points in a game. March 28th. Now, him I do. like. I always thought uh, Michael Jordan, even though I'm not a sports guy, I always thought he was a, a class act. Uh, President George and, uh, Hulk Hogan oh, still wears my. his shoes. Yes. Sorry, U.S. President George H.W. Bush awards Jesse Owens the Congressional Gold Medal. Unfortunately, he was not alive uh, to take it. So, possibly unfortunate. Uh, March thirty first, Carol and Company, starring Carol Burnett, premieres on NBC TV. Um, and let's do one more. Let's end with hockey. March thirty first, twenty year old. Quebec Nordique Center scores a goal in a 3-2 loss to Hartford to become the youngest player in NHL history to score 100 points. He was later named captain of the team, won two Stanley Cups with them, won a gold medal for Canada, and is now the president of the Colorado Avalanche to this day. Dave, you know who this center is, right? Who the center is? I thought we were talking about hockey. Now we're back to basketball? <laughs> yes, centers are a hockey position as well. <laughs> Clever, though. Oh, God. Um, Mont- on what team? Colorado Avalanche. At this time, the Quebec Nordiques. They hadn't moved to Colorado yet. And you think this is a name I'm going to recognize? When You're never going to get it, but you'll probably recognize the name. Give me initials. J.S. Yeah. Oh, man. No. Joe no, Sackick. Never heard of him, brother. Oh, boy. <laughs> And got, that is got me on the last one. That is the news for March of 1990. All right, Dave. Yeah, it was a good one. All right, that brings us to our main event of the evening, the superstars of wrestling. Uh, one of my favorite television programs of all time. It aired here in Buffalo on Saturdays at 12 o'clock on the Fox affiliate, uh, Channel 29. 
Um, and can I give you? Can I give you my whole history? Sure, go for I, it. Because I'm I'm yeah. good at that kind of thing. Go for it. Uh, well, uh, when it was championship wrestling, which morphed into superstars, it was on midnight on W O R Channel Nine here, and that was a superstation. So uh, if you had cable, um, you you got to see it, every, you know, throughout the country at the time, and it stayed there at that time. Until I think around eighty mid eighty forty five, and then they pushed it in the evening, six p.m. And then uh, it stayed at six p.m. Uh, throughout all of eighty five into eighty six, and then when it became superstars, it moved to five p.m. Same channel, channel nine W O R, and then. In late, either very late 87 or very early 88, it moved to Fox 5, WNYW, on Saturdays at 10 a.m. in the morning. And then in around the time of the show, actually, right around WrestleMania 6, it was bumped up to Saturdays at noon on Channel 5 and stayed like that forever until the show ended in 1996 and moved to uh, USA Sunday morning superstar just somebody wrestling with the shit. Well, WWF went the shit. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's my run there of uh, the airings of uh, the great superstars of wrestling here in the uh, New York area. The Channel 9, Channel 9 famous, most famous, or the Channel 9 show, the Howard Stern um, show that would challenge Saturday Night Live and beat it sometimes especially in new york um interesting didn't know that all right this but not but not not when the main event was on no it never beat sarah's main event but you know once in a while they had a jabroni hosted sarah well, but, but what's, when, when did howard start though the, on, on that uh let's see when was the channel nine show it was right around this time because maybe it did beat sarah's main event because you know by 91 ish wwf it kind of Mm, you know, it wasn't like it's 1986 anymore. Saturday Night's main event; it was fizzling out a bit. So maybe it did. Let's see the Channel Nine show. It aired July 14th, 1990, um, until August of 92. Yeah, well, by 19 uh, after the Warrior won the title, the the ratings Saturday Night's main event started dropping tremendously let's see if it says yeah, by the end of yeah. by the end of july 90 the show had increased wwor's ratings in the 11 p.m to midnight hour by more than 100 percent in the new york market the howard stern show often doubled the rating share of saturday night live on nbc during that half hour the two programs overlap in los angeles on kcop the show managed to attract 30.34.4 percent market share at 12 30 a.m in the male 18 to 49 demographic. The show featured outrageous segments, including Guess Who's the Jew and Lesbian Dating Game. A critic at the Los Angeles Times described the show as at once incredibly funny and incredibly vile. <laughs> when people are just allowed to have fun. Hilarious. That's when we, hilarious that's when we, all, lo- and we all loved each other back then. Hilarious show. Yeah. All right. Taped on February 13th, 1990, except for the Hogan match, uh, which is taped on the 14th of 90, from Phoenix, Arizona Veterans Valentine's Day. Memorial Coliseum, and then Tucson, Arizona, the Convention Center for Hulk's match. 
All right, let me see. Let me get my screen right here. And I go to the history of WWE.com, as you mentioned earlier, uh, for some of the notes here. Uh, Landy, congratulations on all of the great work you do on this site. Hosted by Vince and Jesse with Ventura showing a WWF Intercontinental Champion Ultimate Warrior t-shirt and jacket with Ventura saying he changed his mind from the previous week and was picking the Warrior to win at WrestleMania 6. And we start... I love that he alternate every week back and forth. Yep. One week he'd be Hogan, one week he'd, he'd be Warrior. Brilliant. Brilliant. I bet Jesse came up with that himself too. Just a great way yeah. to sort of... Keep it ambiguous. Who's going to win? Not even Jesse can know. Uh, Greg Valentine and the Hammer. the, the Greg Valentine the, the Hammer. And the Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart defeat Frankie Valdez and Steve Caterwolf at 3.05 when Honky pinned Valdez following a double back suplex. Uh, during the match, Hart cut an insert promo in which he said Honky and Valentine would unveil their debut single at WrestleMania 6. This is... Uh, Valentine's debut with the black hair. And Jesse says that rhythm and blues will be synonymous with Guns N' Roses and mentions the singing of Axl Rose, to which Grillo Monsoon seems to have almost no clue what he's talking about. You mean Vince? Or Vince, I'm sorry. Yeah. But but, but Gorilla had no clue what he was talking about at WrestleMania WrestleMania 6 when he mentioned it again when Robert Goulet sang the uh, Canadian National Anthem, said he sounded like Axl Rose. I, I, uh, Jesse must have just picked up GNR Lies or something. Yeah, he loved at GNR that time. Back then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, back to uh, Rhythm and Blues. I just want to throw in there that um, uh, Jimmy Hart wanted to call them uh, Double Trouble. They were never announced that way. Just kind of such kind of a boring name, but he would say that in interviews Double Trouble, baby. And uh, Ravishing Rick Rude backstage was probably right at this taping. Said, "Oh no, 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 no." You got the rhythm over here, and Valentine, who's always has his head down, sobbing. You know, he just has that look about him. He's blues. It's rhythm and blues. And Pat heard him was like, oh, bop, bop, da, rhythm and blues are best. And they finally talked uh, Greg into put, uh, putting the black dye into the hair. And, um, yeah. I, the I, debut I, of that. Yeah, I, I think this was phenomenal. Didn't last all too, too lo- that long, but... Um, I really enjoyed the uh, segment at WrestleMania six, the performance of Honka 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 Honky Love, and with uh, Bushwhackers interfering, got a nice little feud out of that. Could have had tag title run, you know, um, but uh, that didn't happen. Yeah, Greg needed to embrace it. I think, you know, yeah. yeah. But another paycheck for Greg. But he'd been around for so long, you know. It's like these guys like Morocco, Patera, they Orndorff, all gone. Not getting any Bravo. Not getting paycheck. Not yet, Bravo. But not getting paychecks anymore. This is what you got to do to stay around. You gotta, yeah. you gotta enhance enhance the gimmick a little bit. And uh, I think he did okay. You know, he tried it at WrestleMania six. He tried to sing it a little bit and stuff. Eventually, wound him up as a baby face. And I, I, I think he did okay with it. Better, better than than you never think of Valentine as a baby face, but I think he did better than some in that role. We moved as a, as a baby face. We moved to the update hosted by Gene Oakland, which was one of my all-time favorite things about superstars. Uh, these updates in which he showed a video with Mr. Fuji, Slick, and the Warlord discussing Fuji selling the contract to Slick. And a second video in which Fuji, Fuji sold the Barbarian's contract 
Tahina. Dave? Oh, my God. This is so well done. I mean, I think they were trying to get these guys ready for Hogan and Warrior, especially Warrior, but it just didn't pan out for some reason. And I have no idea why. I mean, they, they gave Hogan Earthquake after WrestleMania. You figure Warrior would have had one of these guys and instead of repeating the rude thing that we just saw a million times. That's why nobody cared when we did SummerSlam 90 about that match. Nobody gave a shit because you saw it a million times. Like they do today. You see everything a million times. Nobody gives a shit. So if you had a barbarian or a warlord in there, I guess I guess they were just too warlord was just too green, but Barb could I think could could have pull, pulled it off. But anyway, um yeah, uh if if even if he even though you know how much I love Eric Bischoff, it's probably in my top ten personalities in wrestling of all time, maybe even top five or six. But if this is WCW, even when I loved it, you just would add Heenan walk out with the barbarian. And just say, oh, yeah, he manages him now. No, no, no. This is the way you tell the story. You tell, like, oh, now, oh. So you know what I did? I took my LJNs and put Heenan next to, well, there was no barbarian. I took Slick and put him next to the Warlord. You know what I mean? I I would do those kind of things. Those kind of things. And now so you're ready for it. So now you know that this this is what it is. It's not just some, you know, just thrown together crap. It's so well done. And, um, you know, uh, Fuji now is uh, managing the Orient Express. You know, another great tag team. Got even better when uh, Paul Diamond joined as Cato under the mask, the old bad company from the AWA. Yep. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, just, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just good, just good storytelling, just good stuff that, that's missing. I mean, you would go to school, but like, oh, you hear, you know, the warlords with Slick now and the barbarians of Bobby Heenan. That, that don't happen no more. You I, know, it, it's, it's over. I was always really interested in the interminglings of the managers. You know, when they were scheming with each other and doing backyard deals and things like that. I always loved but that. But we, know, we yeah. know there's nothing like Slick, Heenan, and Hercules. Right. Nothing. And it even goes back to, you know, um, the pencil neck geek. Uh, Fuddy Bilassi when he left and selling his right. people to Slick. Right. And right. I always love stuff like this. All right, up next, the big boss man pins Iron Mike Sharp, who then took a 65-minute shower uh, with the sidewalk (laughs) slam at 132. During the match, boss man cut an insert promo in which he told Akeem to pick up the latest WWF magazine with him on the cover and read about how he would take out Akeem at WrestleMania 6. After the bout, boss man handcuffed Sharp to the top rope, hit him with a nightstick, and then choked him with it. And I wrote in my notes here, is boss man a heel or a face? Question mark. Now I know he's a face, but he's acting very heelish. You know, what I don't I mean? like that, and it's confusing, and it doesn't work that well. I, I think eventually he just started cuffing him and not and not hitting him. I mean, I know I stick up for Hulk and say fighting fire with fire, but what did Iron there's Mike? No Sharp fire. Do? Yeah, he there's just no he's fire. Been a bully. What did yep. what did Mike Sharp do do to the boss man prior? Nothing. Uh, that's ridiculous. Well, that's that's not that's not a face move, and if it was on challenge, Gorilla Gorilla may have called it out, even yeah, he's because he would he, he would go. Yeah, I think they stopped that eventually because th- that's that's wrong. And I know you like when I speak, Uncle Tito. He fucking yeah, yeah, Uncle Tito. he piece. fucking recipes. He loved Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> loved him. If he was on. He come running in, and I remember um, Hercules were at the Meadowlands. In 1990, around the same time, was supposed to wrestle a barbarian. And barbarian was a no-show, so it was Iron Mike Sharp. 
And everyone was like, boo. And my uncle was like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, and of course, he's not screaming and yelling like he usually does when I'm here. You know, big Iron Mike Sharp fan. And, and um, yeah, oh my God. And just another guy that his name is more synonymous than. And it's a guy they don't have uh, anymore. Johnny Uso or something. Yeah, nothing against them, but I mean, he's still more famous. He never won, yeah. really, but he had credibility. You know what I mean? That he was the Canadian strongman, or you know whatever they call them. Like right. he, he had a certain credibility to him, despite he, the fact that he lost almost every match I ever watched him fight. And he looked different. Everybody looked different. He had he the had gimmick with the arm wrap and yeah, his yeah. forearm. So he was good. It would have been it would have been fun if he got a, a victory. Uh, he alive? No, so, right? Somehow, no, no. no. Uh, he 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 wound up in a home. You know, in the old age, well, he wasn't old, that old, but a uh, um, nursing home was the word I was searching for. Oh, God, it's got to be more than five years now that oh, uh, uh, Iron, Mark has, uh, Iron Mike has um, left us. Another one I think they may have been able to pull off an LJN if they got one. And, and Lenny Poff, yeah, Len, 2016. Lenny Poffo never got an LJN or a Hasbro. That's insane. Yeah, January, uh, to say the least. January 7th, 2016. Um, he returned to Hamilton in 2007 to live with his mother. That summer, while doing the last fucking shame, escaping job, he suffered a deep cut to his leg, which became infected. He began using a wheelchair and ended up living in a basement apartment where he became a recluse. Other health problems developed along the way. On Only in 2015 did he allow a video camera to record him as part of a tribute. To Angelo Moscow Sr., he died at the age of 64. Why can't they take care of these? All that yeah, Iron sad. Mike Sharp gave to the business, and we get Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, you know, this same guy, this same guy, over and over. What about him? Like, what, you, you can't fucking throw him a bone? Make and it all a, the money they paid Michaels not to work, right? In the 90s. What, I, yeah. I, I'm not pick, picking on him, but you know what I mean? It's just, he never drew any money. Like what the fuck? Well, like, well, why is he shoved shoved down that, our, our throat? Yeah. So I mean, he never. Drew, I'm sorry, never drew big money. He drew more money in Mike Sharp, but he, you know, he out and he's still old Kogan. He's no uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, not even close. And he's treated like you know, treated like a prince. Yeah. And you know, guys like you know, uh, Bravo got kicked to the curb, and um, and Mike Sharp and. Uh, all these guys, it's just uh, it's that it, I, I just would, could never understand it. Well, maybe it's a good thing that brought, uh, that Sharp didn't have to live through COVID, because a known germaphobe like him, yeah, uh, would have. Yeah, that would have. He, we may have had a suicide on yeah. our hands. Uh, th- <laughs> then we go to another thing I loved about these shows, and it's Sean Mooney who's pumping up on the version I watched, the New Haven Coliseum show that you mentioned in the last segment. Where's Hulk? Uh, we get a super five promo promo from Perfect and Beefcake. And Hulk and Bossman as well as they're selling tickets to that show in New Haven. Which, I'm sorry, Steve. Which one did you watch? Uh, I watched a uh, New Haven. Yeah, I think it was a Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut, maybe. The heck, one was mine. They were. Well, I don't, don't want to sell them a show. The New Haven show. If you you know what mine mine was? Um, Peter Winston's favorite main event. So I watched a Boston one. It was Jake and Warrior against Akeem and DiBiase. Mm. When Pete when Petey had his show. He always used to bring up that main event. It, it tickled him for some reason. Uh, the, the main event of Jake and um, Warrior against uh, Akeem and, and DiBiase. 
So I had I had the Boston market one. I watched. All right. Next up, we have Rick Martel defeating Luis Piccoli via submission with the Boston Crab at 150. During the match, Martel cut an insert promo in which he smelled like success, is what he said. A lot of the match is around his arrogance. Uh, Vince doesn't know where to buy it. Jesse says um, that it basically says it got him laid, that uh, he wore arrogance, and <laughs> uh, before he knew it, the bitches were all over his dick, basically. He never, had a, he never had a hard time finding a date for Saturday night. <laughs> That's for sure. And it's an unbelievable that the great Muda, who nobody hell knows who the hell that name. I mean, yes, they do. I'm I'm picking on him a little bit there. Is going in WWE Hall of Fame if this is true? And Rick Martel is not in it. Can we come on? It's just it's 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 unbelievable. Dave is to the WWF Hall of Fame as Eddie Trunk is to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. I'm probably and, and I and I agree 100 percent there too. <laughs> Molly Molly Crew and the Scorpions aren't in it. Uh, the love of God. A promo by the WWF champion Hulk Hogan about his upcoming match against Warrior and then a rebuttal from Warrior. Uh, Hulk says he's going back to his roots in Venice. Uh, he says Hulkamania is in danger. He talked to the mirror on the wall and he's worried because the mirror didn't have any answers for him. Uh, he says it's an important match. Warrior, I don't know what he said. Jibber, jibber, jabber, jibber, jibber, jabber. Talking to his I have no idea. Um, you know, brother, brother. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and people, all our listeners are going to be very surprised. I did not like Hulk's promo. It was too warrior-ish. What the hell is he it talking was, about? It, he's saying he's going to lose. He's tell, I didn't catch it then as a kid, but in hindsight, watching this, like, dude, he's going to lose. He's worried. He's telling, he's telling us he's losing the belt. He's worried about it for sure. Kind of setting himself up for it. Yeah. Yep. And that whole title for title thing didn't work for me either. Intercontinental should never have been on the line. Should never been in question. Because once that, it was like, yeah, Hulk's losing. Yeah, I didn't. Because he's I not going to be your Connell champion. I too. didn't think yeah. of that. So, it, it, yeah. You got to remember, you were in a certain random thing where you but had, when, you had but, adults around you who were looking at this. And like the adults in my life, they didn't watch or care about wrestling. Didn't anywhere. do it that way. I, you know, so I, it was just me and my friends watching, and we didn't say that. We weren't in lunch class saying, oh, Hulk's never going to be Intercontinental Champion. Right. We were just like, oh, Hulk's going to have both the belts walking him around. I don't know. Right. You know. I did do that, but once I was in it and the match started, all that stuff kind of went out of my head. Yeah. I, you know I mean, what I was mean? there. We'll, we're, I think so, we're going to do that this year, so we'll save the talk. I, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save something for that, but... It did go out of my head, but I, no, I did not like... I, I, I told more, Even though what the hell's Warrior saying... I thought he came off a little heelish, but Hulk came off like just trying to say, yeah, brother, I'm losing the belt. Fuck. You know? Up next, Akeem with Slick pins Ricky Ataki with the splash at Ricky 145. Ricky Ataki. He's been around. With the splash at 145. During the belt or bout, uh, Slick and Akeem cut a promo on Akeem facing the big boss man at WrestleMania. More promotion for the magazine. Uh, all through the show, they promote this um uh, the magazine, uh, Bossman on the cover, and the question is raised by Vince: Will Bossman's handcuffs fit on Akeem? Probably. They really, they really pushed that face turn, and it, it worked. He, he he got over. He he surpassed Duggan. He surpassed maybe even Jake, uh, babyface wise. I think at at that time, uh, by late ninety, after Hogan and Warrior, Bossman was third babyface down. Yeah, because he, he was he was on a roll with Earthquake when Hogan was finishing Suburban Commando. So yeah, 
They really, that, that's one of the turns that really, really, really worked. Big boss fan. Up next, the Brother Love Show. Uh, the Heart Foundation are the guests. Um, he calls them the Brothers Foundation. Love it. Uh, Anvil looks great, and he is going to shred the Bolsheviks through the Skydome roof. Really great promo. Lots of energy. Uh, then Brett says that he's going to challenge the winners of the tag team title match. Whoever wins between Colossal Connection and Demolition, Heart Foundation's making it known that they want their next. They want next. They put their quarters up on the, on the bubble hockey machine. They want winners. Uh, Brother Love says that they would get their asses kicked. Um, and Anvil shoots a little bit on the Colossal Connection, and then Brett does on Demolition. Really great job by um, all three guys here, I thought. Uh, Brett was really good. Is, is Dave Dave's pulling a uh, naked gun here, peeing? That's wine. Oh, uh, wine. Okay. Mm. Sounded like you were pulling a... Dude, uh, sorry. Yeah. No. All right. Uh, yeah. Not, no, a I Kevin, thought, not a Kevin Sullivan. Really great work, I thought, by all three guys here. Uh, any thoughts on the Brother Love Show? Yeah, well, the uh, Bolsheviks have been gone for a year. Nikolai left the WWF in uh, late... Late '88, early '89, went on the independent circuit. They put Nick, good old Nikolai, out the pasture. And uh, are we down a heel team? Did somebody leave? Because they brought him back right around this time. And it's just like, and they were using Boris as a, a jobber through the whole year of '89. So it's like, dude, these guys against Brett and, and the Anvil, they're gonna get destroyed. And what and they did, yeah, they and did. they did. So. I, I'm t- up the top of my head. I can't think of what. Um, well, the Brainbusters maybe that had had left uh, re- had recently, so they needed another uh, heel heel team. Maybe, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, the Bolsheviks are uh, no competition for uh, for the hearts here. As much as I love Nikolai and I, I like Boris too, but um, yeah, Brothers Foundation, fantastic. Brother Love is such a great heel, and people know him for being something to wrestle Bruce Pritchard and forget how good of a heel was. He actually worked with Hulk Hogan where guys like the Barbarian and the Warlord didn't. They had main events going around the circuit of the Brother Love Show with the guest Hulk Hogan. That was a main event of house shows, a Brother Love Show with Hulk Hogan. That's how over and hated Bruce Pritchard was in that character. Not a wrestling match was the main event at the Nassau Coliseum. It what was the Brother Love Show with Hulk Hogan. Hogan beats his ass and imposes, you know? Crowd goes insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just was another guy not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I guess he could put himself in, but uh, another guy that should have been in years ago. And a guy who's never died in the business, right? Just so many lives. And, you know, I think he's doing what he loves again now with uh, being executive at the company. So good for him. All yeah. right, next, another one of my favorite things growing up, the WrestleMania update. Man, did I love these. Uh, mean Gene's at the desk, and he's going to go over the card. Um, he, we get comments from Randy Savage and Sensational <coughs> Sherry, uh, Bad News Brown, Demolition, Jake Roberts, as well as the announcement that Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty would face the Orient Express, and Coco Beware would face Rick Martel. So those are announced matches on the show. Oakland then introduced a video with Rana Barrett, who spoke about why Ventura. Could... Who the hell is Rona Barrett? <laughs> Rona Barrett. I only, I only, I only know her from from this. Yeah, I mean she's an actress. You know, she was a little bit past her prime, which I think a lot of the uh, 
celebrities at WrestleMania six. Wrestle uh, Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. Sean Mooney with her was the best. And he's like, what, "What? What do you think about uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine?" She's like, "What about him?" She was uh, <laughs> she was a gossip columnist and a businesswoman. She ran the Rona Barrett Foundation, um, but she was like a socialite, you know. And she and and her thing here is she is speculating about Jesse uh, in the way that she speculated about things in. Like a page six type of person or whatever. It is weird with the, with the WrestleManias. Um, get a little off topic, but I, you'll probably like this. The WrestleManias with the celebrities were always weird. Like WrestleMania one had probably the well, best. Two one. is WrestleMania, the weirdest. Yeah. Two is a weird. Over, all over way the overloaded. Place. All over the place. Three, three's good. Three's good. You know, not too many, but good ones. Four the same. Five, there's like nobody, right? Yeah, just the the rap and the guys on yeah. the Piper's Pit. Martin, da- Martin, Martin Dan Jr. Yeah. was very very good, but there's one. Only one. No special guest ring announcer. No nothing like that. Um, and they had rock, rock and rock. All over again. Six is, yeah, but not but, but weird ones. Like I said, I never even heard of Rona Barrett time. And Mary Tyler Moore was only sitting ringside. Yeah, I heard of her. Robert Goulet, I think the Naked Gun was after that, after this, right? Who played, played a villain in Naked Gun. It was a part one, was it? It was part two. Uh, I think it was part two or part yeah, two and a half. Two, two and a half. Two and a yeah. half. Two I don't think it was thirty three and a third. Uh, yeah, so um, not not when Anne Nicole Smith had the dick. Right, that was thirty three and a third. <laughs> but uh, right, but it's, and then seven had a plethora of them again. They had real good ones, celebrities. Ninety one you know? was the Naked Gun, Small Fear. Two and a half. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see what else did we have there after Rona Barrett, who spoke about why Jesse Ventura couldn't pick a winner. Uh, it featured a closing announcement that Jim Duggan, Brutus Beefcake, Bad News, Dusty Rhodes, Ted DiBiase would be – oh, that's later. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, after that, we have the big Hulk match, which is basically the end, so we'll do it now. It's Hulk Hogan versus Dino Bravo with Earthquake and Jimmy Hart. Uh, Dino is out first to a few boos, although not a huge reaction either way. Um, the crowd is just waiting for Hulk, and when the music hits, the pop for him is huge. And I was watching this thinking – Man, Vince wants to wind this down. Like, what is he looking at? I don't know. Maybe he knows the business better than me. But in retrospect, you could see why it was such a big mistake. Because well, you it, say what you want about '91, but it's '90 still, and Hulk is huge here. A lot, but a lot of it is um, when he has to go make the movie. Yeah, the, the movie. Title, yeah, t- sure. Keep the title on the road. Yep. That's why. Or Savage never would have got it in '88 either. Right. The Hulkamania was bigger than ever. February fifth, nineteen eighty-eight. Although this, it's peak. They never said in eighty-eight. Oh, Hulk is winding down. We need to switch it. Oh, this, he said that. He said this in ninety. Oh no, shit. He said and on on it, the broadcast. No, 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 no. In, oh. in behind the scenes, in his mind, right? He, th- right, he looked right. at Warriors a potential replacement for Hulkamania. Right. You know, someone he who, did have Warrior did have um that uh SummerSlam 89 the Meadowlands at Rude and Piper Mooned Rude mm. that was it, it, it was something there but he's a can't touch Hulk it, was mean, it, was, huge, it wasn't huge huge he's, pop for Hulk and, and I just mentioned uh, it cuz anyone who doesn't remember don't think that Hulk was not huge here he was so, well, people like like to just follow narratives and everything that well, weren't and there we're here to the crack them don't, that's why we're here yeah. I don't know if they believe us or not, or listening straight. or not, but they just love to hear re- <laughs> clickbait articles and all this bullshit. But yeah, now Hulk could Hulk could have kept, kept going with that belt for uh, probably 
Jesus Christ, uh, till 94, you know, 95 even. Test of strength early with some stalling. Uh, Hulk's in control. Uh, the crowd is hot, and Jesse objects to some closed-hand punches that Hulk throws. He's really all over the rough on it. Classic Jesse. Uh, Jimmy trips Hogan, and Dino Bravo jumps in, takes control. Uh, and then Earthquake is choking Hulk as Dino distracts Hebner. Uh, side suplex by Dino, who doesn't hook the leg. Big mistake. Hulk blows out of it. It's time to Hulk up. He does. Um, he knocks down Jimmy Hart. And then drops the leg to the one, two, three. Um, and Quake jumps in the ring. And Dino Bravo and him start beating up Hulk before we get to the angle here. It was 310, by the way. 310 with the leg drop in a nine title match. And then we'll get to after the bout in a second. Your thoughts on the match itself? Short, but. Uh, yeah, not much here. Uh, doesn't No comparison to the Bob Orton match on Superstars. Even the Boris Zukov match, Hulk had, it, it was more of a squash. Hulk had more fire. Hulk looked like he was a little tired here, missing something. A little slowed down a bit. Uh, wasn't, wasn't one of my favorites. Uh, seeing Earthquake in the brown, that was Bobby Heenan's idea. I don't know if it was a rib or not. It was a little hard to look at, too. And um, But the, the ending... Um, all right, we'll get, get to the, the ending, ending now. We'll get you to didn't it get now. to the ending yet. No, right. uh, Jesse. So again, so he's get Hulk's getting beat up. Jesse says that Hulk might. The not, match sucks. I mean, not yeah. sucks, but I mean, it's whatever. It's it's nothing. It's, it's, it's there to serve for the angle here. One star. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jesse says that Hulk might not get to Mania. Uh, they go for the second squash, and then Warrior um, comes out of nowhere uh, to save the Hulk. Um, they're kind of chaos the rings clearing and then it just looks like they're gonna square off hulk and warrior and warrior jumps down and runs away a million miles an hour runs out of the ring a million miles an hour so good job saves hulk did a really good job um and uh hulk is confused (laughs) looking around grabs the belt and hulk poses uh jesse says that uh, hulk and warrior are even now hulk save warrior warrior save hulk they're even um Pop versus Pop, though, I would say it's a big win for Hulk here. Crowd was much more enthusiastic for Hulk than they were for Warrior, but I'm not. Warrior did get a huge cheer when he came out to make the save on Hulk. Dave, thoughts on the angle? Yeah, I, I think that's where the mistake comes. Like you, you, you want the new, th- like you want the new girl. You want you meet a girl in the bar. You want to have sex with her. Sure, so bad you have it, but then you want your old girlfriend back. So you love her. You know what I mean? You don't love this girl. You just thought she was hot. You know? And I think this that is the best example of this situation. He was the new thing. You wanted him. You got him. Then it's like, nah, we want it. We want our, the guy we're married to. You know, we want, this is the guy, this is our love, Hulk Hogan. And I think that maybe Vince told Hulk to tone down here. Like I always say, Stone Cold got a lot of that fire from Hulk. Hulk had that baby face fire. He was a heel. He was still a heel. But they only call Hulk out for that, Smarks. And here he just kind of looked a little methodical, didn't seem like to have that fire. But I wonder if, if Vincent Pat told him that to make Warrior seem like more of the guy with the fire. And um, the match I thought nothing of, one star. But uh, the angle at the end with Hulk looking confused, I mean... You know, back then it was like, yeah, I was like I say, I was cocky with Hulk. Like, I hate you losing. 
But now looking at this in hindsight, it's like, yeah, the, the writing's on the wall right there that uh, we're going down, especially with the with the uh, title for title aspect. I just, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I just wish that they went ahead with the WrestleMania 7 plans, Hulk, uh, take it back from and And um, Vince doesn't like babyface matches, so uh, that wasn't wasn't meant to be. And then, personally, you know, I, I much prefer the Slaughter stuff than a Hulk Warrior 2, personally. but Yeah, I would just like to see Hulk, you know, Get the win the back. Yeah. yeah, he got it back. WCW, but that, that that's a whole other story in itself. That match, but I was uh, I was very happy about that. All right, Sean Mooney is back. He gives us a little bit of promotion for the New Haven show. Uh, another Savage promo. I'll show the Bushwhackers. Like I said, those are different depending on what you watch, Dave. I'm sure you got something from Boston there. And then we come back one more time for Vince to announce that next week Jim Duggan, Brutus Beefcake, bad news. Dusty Rhodes, Ted DiBiase would be in action, as well as more comments from Hogan and Warrior. And that is the show, Superstars of Wrestling. I love doing these, Dave. we got to do Let's more do of them. Let's do another one. I don't want to stop. I know we're running out of uh, Hulk matches maybe on TV, but um, we'll certainly do more stuff like this. And one area where we'll do a lot of Superstar stuff, um, and the anniversaries are right about now, is when we do our build to WrestleMania three. Uh, when we do before we do three, we're going to do about ten shows. And Dave and I haven't gone through this yet, but tentatively the plan is to do about ten shows that led to the match between Hulk and Andre. Can't wait! Uh, and, all, oh. and there's plenty of superstars: the two seven one, the two fourteen, two twenty one. Um, all those I'm sure will be a part of shows as we well. We could always so. do a show where Hulk's on a brother love. Or yeah, yeah, of course. Pit, Snake Pit. We're, we're going to get to more or, of them. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very good. All right. We still have more work to do, so let's take a break because when we come back. Uh, we're going to read some emails, answer some questions from social media and various What'd you, uh, what'd you star? The, uh, yeah, I'm a little it. higher than you. I'd give it a one and a half. Um, Hulk, Hulk looked a little lethargic, I thought, in this one. He didn't have his fire. Yeah, I would love to be able to watch the other one, just to be able to compare them, see what maybe, they did like, may, what Maybe they did like. in the other one, he had too much of his fire, and Vince wanted, wanted the Warrior to, to have down, yeah. tone it down to make the Warrior look, look a little more. It could have been he, he did look... And you know me, I'm very biased towards the Hulkster, but um, not in this show. He looked lethargic here. And, um, I mean, I guess you, you, they tried to blame Earthquake for Hulk's title loss. But this this is March 10th this aired, and it was, uh, was uh, April 1st. April 1st, yeah. And it's quite three weeks later. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, it was a good angle. Done very well. Warrior did a good job, I thought. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll close this out. Uh, when we come back. All right. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. When it comes Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. One last segment tonight on the show. Wanna don't forget you can check out this episode, the season premiere of the show. 
1989 Royal Rumble and all of the shows from Season 2 and Season 1 on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on social media. We're at 24inchpodcast on Twitter, at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram, the 24inch podcast group on Facebook, which is awesome. Please join us there if you can. And you can email us to four inch podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget- and remember, and remember, guys, remember, no narratives here. We live this. A lot of the wrestling stuff you hear on other podcasts, nothing against them. They're all great people. They didn't live it. We live this. We live this time. So we're telling we're you. We're going to do WrestleMania 6 was. in a couple weeks. I was there. You know, uh, he was at the show. Yeah. When Dave, when we do SummerSlam. 91, Dave 91. was there. Whatever, there. you know, we were at these shows. And, you know, when we do the uh, Someday I Want to Do the Show I Was At where Honky Tonk Man won the belt over Steamboat. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Another Hulk doesn't man, have a big place. role there. But I was at that. You know, yeah. like, uh. we live this era. So thanks for checking it out. Thanks for being on the show with us. Uh, we're trying to get back into a rhythm, trying to get back into a groove. We're going to deliver the shows as quickly as we can. On Mondays, I know we had to wait an extra week for this one. Our apologies for that. I was on a stupid jury. I had jury duty. Some dumb bitch ran her car through a store. Um, I think I slept with her. Did you? Well, she was out looking for action, so she was looking for you. Well, I, I haven't been down to Buffalo in uh, that <laughs> way. Wait a minute. Quite yeah. Some time. yeah, it's quite some time. Uh, don't forget to check out the twenty-four inch podcast's brother, the Sportscasters podcast. My other show. It is at sports underscore casters on Twitter um, early in the season there as well. We've had interviews with uh, Mike Shope and Chris Parker, Shope and the Bulldog here in Buffalo. Also talked to Mike Carrington, talked to Gabriela Miscotti, one of the big names in soccer media, over a million followers on Twitter. He retweeted that thing. Next thing you know, the tweet had like 600,000 views on Twitter. Kick-ass thanks to Gabriel for checking me out and for being on the show. So check out the Sportscasters. If you can for some Italian. Gabrielle, wasn't he on nine oh she on nine oh two one oh? Or is that somebody else? No, this is a this is a he. Oh he. I'm yes. sorry. He was he was in newspapers though. He did work in newspapers like she did. Okay. So, yeah. She, how old was she on that show? She was the one that was Dear like, Friend of Dear Friend of Vince Neal. You know, when when I was growing up, my sisters watched nine oh two one oh, but it was like a no no for guys for some reason. Yeah, I seen. I didn't in, watch in it. I, didn't, I seen some episodes. Those guys at no, Place to Be Nation love the. Shit they out love of that it. Show. I'm saying. So yeah. I, I think maybe it was just this the New York area that it, it was a no no at um, Melrose Place uh, as well. So I I, I like when um, what's her face came on to. Uh, uh, Kelly yeah, yeah, I was watching them, brother, and I had, I had my hands on the record button on the VCR too. Oh hell so, yeah, as they say. Yeah. Uh, one other thing to plug on Friday, so this is will be up, but this that will be up by the time this is up. Uh, Rush fans on YouTube, uh, their page is called Rush Fans or at Rush Fans on Instagram as well. Uh, I'm on the uh, roundtable discussion. The topic was what songs by Rush would you put on a playlist to get pumped up for a sporting event? Oh man. What's the one I love that's two parts? One's it's like their heaviest song, but like then like morphs into another song. Kind of like Led Zeppelin has um The Spirit of uh, Radio. It might be that. 
Oh, shit. We're going to talk about that off here. Yeah. I don't want to waste time. Yeah. Well, but anyway, check out Rush Fans. I'm on that. And uh, I'm going to be on the North-South Connection. Uh, we're doing a Seinfeld show or something like that. I'm going to be on. So check that out. The Led Zeppelin one is Heartbreaker and Missy Mountain Hop. Right, 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 right. I love right. It's, a, it's, it's the same, similar thing, but with uh, with uh, Rush. All right, uh, Lucas Calhoun, our dear friend, emails us at twenty four inch podcast at gmail dot com. He says, "My pick to win the eighty nine Rumble, if not stud, would have been Mister Perfect. I think the win makes him a more credible heel to face Warrior or Hulk, and maybe those huge draw better. What are your thoughts?" Missed opportunity. We'll come back to that. Missed opportunity. I think Vince dropped the ball on the powers of pain. I think he could have gotten more out of them at a time when WWF was lacking heels. I love Bobby, which should go without saying, but I think putting Barb with him was the wrong choice. He just lost, got lost in the shuffle, and also was too much like Haku. I would have put Barbarian with Jimmy Hart. I think it's a better fit and makes his stable a little stronger. I would have kept Warrior Warlord with Slick, but just let him destroy the little mid-card guys a little longer and not had him feud with the Bulldog. And if you do feud them, you have him go over. With more seasoning, Warlord is credible heel for anyone, but having him always lose to Bulldog gives you zero return. Anyway, just wondering your thoughts. Keep doing a good job, and Hulkamania will never die. Thanks, Lucas. So basically, he's asking us, what are our thoughts on the WWF Looking perfect to win 89, would that have made him a more credible heel to face Hogan and Warrior? And when then would it have drawn better when they did it? All right, we're gonna, we're gonna take this one one at a time with me. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lucas, and thank you for the Hulkamania part. Yeah, our man. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you on the 89 uh, Kurt Henning thing. Vince put the singlet on him at WrestleMania five because of his uh, smaller stat- stature. I don't think uh, he was ready at 89 for uh, the WWF to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, Mr. Perfect is in my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. So, and, and he's Chet's top two after Hogan. Chet the Ziggler's. Um, we're big Kurt Henning fans. The 1990 Royal Rumble would be a completely different story. He could have won that one. 100%. Well, it brings up, with brings up a point Hogan. that's been much debated. If not stud... That year, who would you have booked to win it? Hogan or Andre. Okay. Fair enough. I had no problem with yeah. that. Yeah. I probably would have uh, would have booked Hulk to win it just because it was the first pay per view one. You know, I think that just legitimizes. Yeah, no, just, it's it's not like today. A guy comes in, bang, 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 bang. He's he's a star. It took time. Yeah, you, you had to build yourself up. You had to say, hey, you know, coming out of that, nobody know. Nobody knew who, or, unless, you're, unless you're in the bubble, nobody knew who Mr. Perf- Kurt Henning was, unless you're in the wrestling bubble, like I say, and you buy the after mags and blah, 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 but 80% of the people didn't do that back then. So he's just some guy, like, wow, look at him. I kind of like that guy. So it's, it's a build. It's a slow build. Then he beats the Blue Blazer at WrestleMania five, and he wears a singlet to cover up his uh, his stature. And then, you know, he beats the Red Rooster SummerSlam. Then the genius becomes his manager. Then they start doing some more vignettes. Then, but Royal Rumble 90 would be a much better option for uh, Perfect to win. I think um, I think Perfect would have been a viable choice, over even over Bret Hart as a champion in not, late 92. 
um, or just as good as one. Having Lucas. thought about it for a second, if not stud, I think I would have done perfect because I think they had it set up really well with him buying the number and they had pushed so DiBiase, you mean? Or yeah, DiBiase, I mean. Uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I would have, I would have let Ted win it just because they had sold the the luck of the draw and and they had the angle. So if not stud, I would have went DiBiase just to kind of build how important the draw is. And it's the first one you're really setting the tone going forward and how important that could be. And then you just really screw him over the next year, you know. But he was such a star. That, that yeah. was a ridiculous uh, role they put. Ted in at, at WrestleMania five, just a random match of beefcake. Right, if he had won that, maybe he's got a uh, little bit more momentum. He has a bigger match, and maybe that helps the overall card there at WrestleMania five. All right, what else he got? Thank you, Lucas. Thank oh, you, Lucas. Oh, well, hold Love on. You. Do you want to respond to any of the other stuff he mentioned about maybe putting Barbarian? He said that Barbarian with uh, Bobby wasn't maybe a great idea. He should have went with Jimmy. Yeah, it never went anywhere. I, I I don't understand that. I think it was. I think they wanted to put. One of the guys with Warrior in main events, and one of the guys with Hogan eventually. And Hogan did do a, a match with the Warlord at the National Coliseum in '91. So I guess Barb would have went with Warrior. I think maybe they felt that maybe in the Clash of Styles, and and they didn't do it. Um, Barbarian to me is a Fuji guy all the way, more than any of Hart or Heenan, like that kind of uncontrollable berserker type, you know, monster heel. I know uh, Hart managed him in WCW at one point, but um no, no. I don't I don't I don't see him with Jimmy. But I I wish it could have panned out. I wish Warrior could have got uh, could have got better opponents instead of rehashing the rude feud, especially coming off a of Hulk and Earthquake. Nobody right. cares, you know. Although but, I, uh, I do like that SummerSlam match more than a lot of people in ninety. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. Good Dave, question. What do you got? Okay, uh, I got another one after you. Sure. By the way, I got an email from Ian Ross, but you go first with Chet or uh, or what, Kevin whatever. Hogan, whatever. Kevin, there you go, Kevin. What do we got? Kevin, Kevin Hogan been waiting for the show, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Here you go, my man. Love you. What's up, guys? Here's my question. I understand the reason why they have non-title matches, but what was the kayfabe reason for a non-title match? I don't remember ever watching a non-title match where they explained why it was a non-title match. Whenever it was announced that a match was a non-title match, I always felt it was a dead giveaway that some type of interference was going to happen. What do you guys think? <clears throat> I'll go first. Uh, they did that on TV because um, why go to the arena if you're going to see the match on TV? I mean, NBC Saturday Night's Main Event was a different story. The MSG Network or the Nesson in Boston was a different story. Everybody wasn't seeing that. Right, it's regional. No, it wasn't yeah. promoted. It's regional. Nobody knew it was on. And you got to give it on Saturday Night's Main Event. You got to get that rating. But um, that's the reason why it was it, it, it was done correctly. The one time I never understood it, though, Kevin, I'll agree with you, was the Hearts and the Brain Busters at SummerSlam 89 why that was a non-title match. That made no sense. Because they didn't Brain have the titles when they signed the match. Ah, but they could, I know, but I mean, that's that's really getting sporty on us. Like, real, it's cool. It's cool. But, I mean, the Brain Busters won anyway. It's not like the Hearts won. I think they won clean too, right? Jesse explained that. How dare you? Ah, that, one, that one always caught me off guard, but that, that's the only you. one. 
That's the only one. But um, I would say there's no reason this match couldn't have been for the title. And I think it like it. This is not a big feud going around the circles, right? Like there's no re- and I think it would have made it a little bit more dramatic. They could have played up. Will he even have the belt at WrestleMania six? I know, but why? Why if you know they have a they just had a hotel defense against a genius son Saturday Night's Main Event. But those were almost have, in a different canon back then too. You know yeah, what I mean? But, like, yeah, I know, but people still saw them. The same people yeah. still watched it. But then you have a promotion for Hogan against Mr. Perfect for the title coming up in your local arena. Mm-hmm. And I said, why would I go see Hulk wrestle Mr. Perfect for the belt when I could rest, watch him wrestle Dino Bravo for the belt right uh, here on no, Saturday No, no, no. It's not equivalent. It's not equivalent to me. I, I wouldn't have stayed home from the show as, as a kid because I got a two-minute match against Dino Bravo. That's not keeping me out of the arena. Uh, I don't know. That's a stretch. Uh, That's a big stretch. I know what you're saying about protecting the house show business that's not this they didn't protect a single dollar at the house shows by making this match but the orton the orton match was non-title they all were zukov every every single one of them no reason for this basically if it was a title match on tv you knew the title was gonna change (laughs) that's true that's true yeah 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 so um i don't know take take it for what it is take either side but um, I think they were thinking the way I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Anything else from Kevin? Yeah. Uh, that's about it. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Love hearing from you. Ian Ross, he's up in Detroit, in Windsor, Detroit area, and a uh, good listener of both podcasts. Um, and he says, hey, Steve, I just caught up on your podcast, so I thought I'd just drop a few things. Uh, first, he's talking about the arena in Buffalo. They need new seats in that motherfucker. Uh, he goes, this is interesting. He goes, I'm thrilled you got Gabe Maracotti on. He's always been great in whatever form he's on. This is why I bring it up here. One thing I bet you didn't know about him that you could have surprised him with. When he was in college at Penn in the mid-90s, he was a huge ECW fan. To the point he went to live shows and collected tapes. I heard him on a podcast a long time ago, and he was excited to talk about ECW. I emailed Mr. Marcotti about that after the fact, and he was very thrilled to talk about it. Said he was in the ECW arena many, many times and talked about how much he loved uh, that unique promotion and period of time. And I had the same feelings about it. I went to all the shows here in Buffalo at that time, and it's just a different thing altogether. It's almost a different sport. It's lightning in a bottle. It's a small period of time. It's rock and roll as much as anything. Uh, On the 24-inch podcast, you were saying that one day you'll do WrestleMania 3. I was not only at the Silverdome, but also was wow. at the Saturday night's main event, which aired a few weeks before it, which was at Joe Lou's Arena. So if there's anything I can help you out with, just let me know. WrestleMania 3 is obviously legendary, and I'm sure you'll do it the right way. Thanks for the podcast. It was fun listening along, catching up, Ian. Ian, we will definitely be in touch to get your perspective on what it was like to be there when poor Leaping Lanny got his head knocked off by Andre the Giant. Uh, in the Battle Royal. And, Joe Louis uh, Arena. Yeah, WrestleMania 3 as well. So thank you, Ian. No question there. Just kind of some comments, but really cool. One of our listeners was at WrestleMania 3, Dave. How about that? It's amazing. A lot of people won't believe this, but I was a big ECW fan. Yeah, I was, I thought, I was huge into it. Huge. Up to a certain point. Um, I remember the first day coming home from a football. We had freshman football. Uh, Chet was a water boy, and I, I was a second string lineman. <laughs> and I did a little playing, but um, 
came home and you know to my house, ordered pizza and put on his channel CTN, a New Jersey channel. And we saw Shane Douglas on there. We knew him from WWF, of course. And we saw him as a heel. Like this is fucking amazing for it's 1994 for what's going on in wrestling now. And, and we were just and then then we're seeing titties and butts. Yep. Like, like, whoa! Yeah, like, this is amazing. It was like sex, and, drugs, and rock and roll. It was just something right. different entirely. Oh you know? my god! Yeah. It was it, it it was just and uh, the Smarks threw me. You know, they 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 scared me away eventually. But um, for those first couple of years, when Melenko Guerrero, I could actually enjoy that wrestling match without that. This is awesome and all this bullshit. You know, it, it really was great wrestling and great the sand the sandman i mean what didn't austin take from him you know what i mean it, it, it was it, it was uncle teal took us to the lost battalion hall in queens new york to see them we're eating pizza with tommy dreamer setting up the ring before the show i had to be 15 years old and um god what a what an experience but um it, it was mick foley's last night his shirt said, thank you, Uncle Eric, Eric Bischoff <laughs> on, on it. And, yeah, but um, I kind of got out of it probably around 97, 98. What if, by the time they started doing pay-per-views, I, I, I lost interest in ECW. Uh, they, they would play this place called the Burt Flickinger Center in Buffalo, and it was a gym at a community college, basically, and it was a great venue for them. And I went to all the live shows here, and they did a pay-per-view here I went to. Um and uh, I was a big Taz fan, and um, I, loved, right, right. I loved the music, and I just now loved, how about the build uh, Taz I, and Sabu? Yeah, so good. I, I love being there. I love the music, the fun of it. I was on the payphone calling my mom to let her know when I'd be home, and um, New Jack was on the payphone next to me, uh, talking to one of his baby's mama about a child support check, and it was going to be coming. Don't worry about it. And he slammed the phone down and said, "Fuck that bitch." um so just it was so unique you know what i mean so unique i remember bringing garbage into the arena and then seeing the garbage later at new in the ring new jack would throw it in and shit um just magical magical moment but it was supposed to be for cool people and the uncool people ruined it just like they do everything else you know you get in there and you get the bo smell and you get the fucking you know Guys that have never been laid and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 nothing wrong with that, but just like, this is not where I want to be. It's not the people I want to associate with. I want to associate with people more like me, which should have been the ECW. We crap. never had that but problem it, here. But it morphed into that. You yeah, know? We never had that it problem. It morphed here. into that. And like, we didn't have great TV here. It was on very sporadically or it was on late. Um, or it would be on a superstation from somewhere out, other market. Maybe you might get it. Um, so I didn't get much TV. Um, it was really all about the live events and then they just stopped having them. So that was it. It's like, almost like you meet a girl in a bar or you have a girlfriend or whatever. You're like, Oh, I love Hulk Hogan. It was a passionate fling. And and the girl's like, Oh, I loved him when I was little. I love Hulk Hogan and I love Hogan knows best. I love his daughter. I love you're good. You know, you can, you can wear your NWO shirt, you know, and I, you could kind of do that with ECW at first. And then it, it morphed into that, what we have now. You know what I mean? It very, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Well, speaking uh, of now, type, type thing. 
Speaking of now, do we have anything else from Tim or from Chad or any of our other friends? I keep Tim keeps testing me so much about this Tobias from the band Ghost. Oh my they have God. a few good poppy. They have a few good poppy songs I do like. It just doesn't stop. Square Hammer. So, right? oh, the song's amazing. Yeah, song song's amazing. Uh, dance, ma- ma- dance Macabre? macarena or some Macabre? shit. Well, I thought it was macarena. Oh, you might. Be it's right. good too. No, I'm kidding, but um. Is good too. So just give me a chance to scroll up here. Is there rats or something Tim's like good. that. Rats, great. That's yeah. another single. Great band. That's I, I like Poppy. I'm going to see Motley Crue and Def Leppard tomorrow. So obviously, like my rock. He had the great my rock Poppy. The great, I like girls. The great comparison. He said it's Kansas if they were a death me- death metal band. Right, right, that's right. What, that's right. how he described it, uh, Tobias. Uncle Tito, big dust in the wind guy. Dust in the wind. Uh. Paula, big. Uh, I can't find it, but I, I, I can't find this question. But but here it is. I did find it. Not a whole question, but why do you? Guy answered me the same questions over and over. Not not a whole question, but why do you think WCW dropped the ball with Brett? In my opinion, should have came in as a face, and over a year's time, took everyone from the NWO down. That finally him and Hogan, nice build pay per view. CM Punk, CM Punk still sucks. I agree with that. Uh, Timmy did come in as a face. And uh, he had a non-compete clause from the WWF for 30 or 60 days. So, somehow, so that's why he was a referee. Still should that, have been uh, there right away. They, they lost yeah. that momentum. He needed to be on TV Monday after the screw job. Yeah, well, he couldn't He couldn't be. Doesn't I, matter. I Doesn't long, matter. Long should have been there anyway. You and know? he came out. He didn't have his hair greased. Didn't have the Breck hair grease. Wasn't wearing pink. He was wearing like a blue shirt or something. And uh, he, he wasn't in it, and he he arrived at the arena. I'm a late I'm a late bird myself, so I'm I'm not knocking Brett. Brett's one of my top five or six favorite wrestlers ever. He's always but, late, um, right? Notoriously late. Always late. Yep. So it, when you're doing a Monday Nitro, you got to be there early to uh to 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 lay the stuff out. To politics. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and they just had too many stars. He just, said, they just blew had too it. many. No, they blew it. It was a huge opportunity missed, and. Sure, Brett has some of the blame, but look at Vince. Was, I mean, you can't Vince put was, Brett over Goldberg. So is building up so high. You can't put Brett over him. Vince was right. That'd be they stupid. wouldn't know what to do with Bret Hart, and they didn't. And the, the 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 way they handled Goldberg was actually the one thing they did right. Right with the thing under the jersey, that was genius. Yeah, that was good. Um, that was the one thing they did right the whole time. Um, but they, but, just, but he came in the middle of Hulk. He came in the middle of Hulk Sting. Finale, their storylines thing in the rafters. It was a one hit wonder. Throw him in there into the middle of that and take Sting's spot. And Sting came in looking like shit on drugs, not tan, not muscular. You know, so they should have just took Sting out and put Brett in the spot and had him beat Hogan that night. You know what I mean? Because the uh, the way Sting came, I, I was there that night in uh, MCI Center in Washington D.C. and uh, Hulk looked. Hulk looked like a giant compared to Sting. It looked like a mismatch, and Sting looked like shit. Well, it was, yeah. and and um, they should maybe they should have just had Brett come in and sharpshooter Hulk. The problem Scorpion Deathlock WCW in general is they were a one hit wonder. They had their one hit. They played it over and over, and they never made any other good music. And they couldn't, they couldn't make a hit with Brett, and that's on them. I mean, no, it's 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 Pat. It's not having Pat. It's not even Vince. It's Pat. Pat's, Whoever it is, Pat's the guy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Pat Patterson that is 
owed everything, in my opinion. All right. And he would have made that work. With but, that uh, said, Dave, yeah, you want but, to... But, yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, but Brett, I mean, it's, it's also part his fault for the arriving late. This is not, you know, house shows are one thing, but you're arriving late to Nitro... I want to have a big role when he got Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. Yeah, Goldberg, he also had no respect Sting, for it in general. Like Lex he, Luger. He thought it sucked. You know, you, yeah, he thought Hulk it Hogan. sucked. He thought they sucked. And you, and you, you, just because you're hot right now, you think you're, this is Hulk Hogan we're dealing with here who's been drawing money for how many years now? He had a bad attitude. 10, 12? Brad had a bad yeah. attitude. Yep. That's, that I'm, a bre- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Brett fan. I'm a big Brett um But it was yeah. still, part of it was his fault. But right. But regard even if too he, many guys, too many guys. Got, like I say now, when, when when they do, when the Smarks get on the internet and say, "Oh, they released Vince, released all these guys," I'm like, "Well, good. They'll go to AEW or TNA or somewhere else, and then come back, and then go back and forth. You can't have all these stars in one place at the same time because it, it just is not going to work. Although you can't work that out in the Attitude Era or the Monday Night War Era, because I almost feel like that's different." I almost feel like the Monday Night Wars are different from the Attitude Era. Like, the Attitude Era is the last third of it or whatever. But um, the WWF had a lot of talent, too. And they did a much better job with their bench and telling different stories than WCW did. So, I mean, it's just I, a, it was I, a better company. I couldn't follow the Besides the Austin McMahon feud, I, I couldn't follow anything. Uh, Again, that's later. WWF was that's still, later. You, yeah. you got to come back a little bit with me. Um the WWF did great things with uh, Brett and Austin. You know. Oh, '97 was one of my favorite uh, non-Hogan WWF years. Yeah, I'm talking like '99. And again, that's why like, I say yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. a difference between the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era. Yeah, right, right. You know, uh, I don't consider '97 the Attitude Era though. No, they're it's very, Monday Night Wars. It's oh, the, Monday Night Wars. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 See what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do, I do now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, excellent. I was at SummerSlam '97. What a great time we had there! What a and they had pay-per-view. several good matches and several good stories, and you know they did yeah. a great job. So I don't know. You know, I'm a I'm a, I, you stayed with Hulk. I stayed with WWF. Although I didn't stay in the, with the same passion or the same amount of energy or time or whatever. Well, we, yeah, we were still. I, I just didn't. I kind of got out of it at WWF after the um, when it got real big. When it got real popular, it was hard to follow. It was like the Val Venus and. This, I just I just didn't get it anymore. It was just I was just lost and and it was just silly to me at a certain point. But then uh, when Hulk came back, you know, and um, even a little before that, I always liked Kurt Angle when he got big. I uh, um, was uh, tuned in much more. All right, you want to announce the show next week? Yes. Well, next week, I mean, or next show, it, next show, next show. <laughs> Check your local listings. Yes. <laughs> But it will be only fitting, even though it's, we, we like to n- not like be real close to the, to the time zone of the show we just did. But it's only fitting that gotta do we got to do it. We got to do this. It's a very famous match. His biggest show. And it's a great match. Yep, his biggest match, his biggest moment, his biggest In show. honor of the great Lanny Poffo, we're going to do Saturday Night's Main Event from November 1989, the weekend after the Survivor Series. And Lanny Poffo's big victory over the immortal Hulk Hogan. We're going to have some fun with this one, I think. I think Lanny from up above is going to suck his own dick in appreciation to yes, this show. Yes, absolutely. Can't wait to do it. Uh, can't wait to talk about the show. Can't wait to talk about 
uh, Lanny and the way that Lanny respected what Hulk did for him that night years and years later is going to be a part of the story we tell next year as well. Next week, next show as well. He would never say a bad word about Hulk and that ever. Was, and that was why. All right. With all of that said, and we've said a lot tonight, Dave. Paula was on this show, it seems like, three hours ago. Uh, but with all that said, I have only one last thing for the audience, and that is I'm going to ask them to please say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. With Gloria and Renal. Rest in peace, lady. What?